0: Kram, I've never prayed to you before. I have no tongue for it. No one, not even you, will remember if we were good men or bad, why we fought or why we died. No, all that matters is that two stood against many. That's what's important.
1: Our Lord pleases you, Crom. So grant me one request. Grant me revenge.
0: And if you do not listen, then the hell with you.
2: everyone, and welcome to today's, or this week's, Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. And we're going to do a special show this week for all of you. Uh, first off, my name is Rico, and this will be Podcast 444. 444. I don't think that's any weird number in, in history, or, 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 you know, psychic numerology, if that's a thing. Uh, but it is, uh, this is going out on July 7th. 2013, and we're here to talk about Conan, Conan the Barbarian, and I'm uh, on Skype with Chris Clemente. Hey, what's up? That's, uh, <laughs> that's not very Conan sounding.
3: Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, welcome. If you, uh, and by the way, if you're not into uh, marginal or or, or, or bad uh, Arnold impressions, you You've have come to the wrong place. Turn, these, turn the
2: podcast off right now, because there's <laughs> going to be a lot of those. At least Chris is going to do it. I'm going to probably do it. And then we also have Chuck. Chuck, what's your last name? I'm sorry. It's Bingham. Chuck Bingham, who, uh, who did a, a podcast in the past with Chris, and he is back here to talk about Conan with us. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. And you guys are, are, you guys live both in Florida together, right down there? I mean, I don't mean together, you know, but (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with that. We
3: don't have those sort of arrangements yet. But um, no, he's about, I guess he's about 40 miles north of me. We uh, used to work together years ago
2: uh, Uh, yes. when I I was
3: managing a store and he was one of my employees. Um, But yeah, so we've known each other about 20 years almost. So it's
2: been a while. Crazy, it's been that long. Well, it's like you're married then, anyway. So, uh,
4: <laughs> I've known Chris longer than I've known my wife.
2: Uh, <sighs> yeah, yeah. I've got a few friends like that, even though I've been married a long time too. I've, I've got some friends that I've known a, a very long time since about uh, like middle school, I think. So, yeah. But today we're going to talk about Conan the Barbarian, and we're probably for the most part going to focus on on the uh, i guess you could call it a classic or cult classic or you know a pretty successful film uh the the arnold schwarzenegger film from 1982 that's going to be the main focus on today's show we are going to talk a little bit about the history of the character some of the books and things like that comics and that and then we'll probably touch on some of the more recent uh, conan efforts as well towards the end of the show uh, but uh, but for myself, since this is kind of uh, technically sort of an off week for me, I'm going to turn over the podcast to Chris. He's going to kind of run the show from now on, and I'm just going to be the eager beaver co-host. That's probably you know I'm just going to go back to sipping my drink here so I can get in the mood. <laughs>
3: you you really are Ed McMahon if you if you drink enough, you know right. <laughs> yes,
2: yes. yes. Oh. Oh my yeah, gosh! So, you know what I saw the other day? I saw a clip yeah. from. Do you guys remember those way back? Maybe it's you're too y- too young or whatever. But back in the seventies, they did these very weird. Speaking of superheroes and things like that, these superhero like TV things with like the old Batman and Robin on it. I and, remember. Do you yeah. remember those yes. things? They did a couple yeah. of them. I don't even remember what they were called, like, but. Um, Oh, those things are so bad. It, it was like a it was a variety
3: show, right? It was, it was, yeah. and they had
2: like Solomon Grundy, and and when you said Ed McMahon, it just immediately I saw a clip on on YouTube of like Ed McMahon would host those things, and oh, oh yeah. god, those were bad. people think like, uh, the Star Wars holiday special was bad. That no, these were worse. I think.
3: Yeah, it was like the, wasn't it, it was like the DC heroes? I, yeah, I, I think so, yeah.
2: basically, you know, they, they had like some, they had sort of heroes and villains, and they were kind of like set up on two sides of the stage. I think it was sort of supposed to be kind of a game show, too, I don't know, I don't know, but...
3: Wasn't, uh, Adam, I think Adam West and Burt Ward showed up on that. Yeah, they
2: were actually in costume yeah. as Batman <laughs> and Robin again, after years of being away from, uh, I don't know, it was probably, probably a good eight nine ten years from when they did the 60s tv show at that point so yeah, it was
3: it was very bizarre yes
2: yeah <laughs> but anyway take it away chris conan All right. the barbarian
3: yeah so um yeah we're, this is one of my favorite uh fantasy mo- it's the it's first movie i think that i saw that was sort of a fantasy movie i know that you Know a lot of people maybe poo poo it. I think Conan the Barbarian as a movie is sort of almost like a joke to a lot of people, you know. It's like, and you know, rightfully so, since Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't speak until about what 25 minutes into the movie, yeah, something and, like that, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, so it's like if he was his first, it was his first big movie, you know. You can thank Conan the Barbarian for the, you know, I mean, he did, um. Pumping iron, of course, and he did uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Her- Hercules in New York. But in Hercules in New York, he was um <laughs> he was dubbed he was dubbed. Oh older. my god, that movie! Yep. <laughs> so I mean, this is like the first movie. That, this is like yeah.
2: high art. If you if you ever see uh, if you ever happen to see Hercules in New York, this is the, you know <laughs> Conan is like you know fine you know Broadway production compared to that. So,
3: but I guess Arnold, I don't know how to compare him to anybody like because now that it's been thirty plus years since this movie came out. I don't know how to compare Arnold to a current celebrity because he sort of was a bodybuilder who became, like, the biggest star in Hollywood. And he was so basically like an athlete who became –
2: The only thing I can think of that they've always – I've heard comparisons to is, like, The Rock. Yeah, the, the, but that was exactly who I was considering. yeah. If the Rock had a bigger
3: film career, maybe. (laughs) Well,
2: (laughs) up till this point, I mean, he's he's in a lot of movies. He's turning up in a lot of movies these days. I mean, and he's done sort of the kid stuff, the action stuff, some serious things. I guess. Actually, I think his career he's had he's he's kind of getting more of a range of movies than um, than uh, Arnold in a way. You know, kind of. uh, I think he's been doing pretty well. If you really want to see a different kind of rock movie, watch Southland. is it called Southland Tales? I think that's what it's called. It's a really weird movie, but watch him in that. So,
3: yeah, that's true because I guess if you look at his trajectory, he did start off in like what the the Mummy Two or whatever. And, yeah, uh, he was
2: a big basically, you know, because he, he he looked the part. He, yes. he yeah, he was he you know could you know have his shirt off and hold a sword and look like he was menacing.
3: And now that I think about it, he wouldn't be
2: a bad Conan the Barbarian, but um, unfortunately, he's got a personality that sort of. Well, he's playing Hercules, I think, right now too. I think oh, no is kid. it? I think, yeah, I think The Rock is doing. A, um, I think it's a Hercules movie.
3: Mm. Well, we'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the only thing I've, every time I think of The Rock, I think of that horrible CGI scorpion thing. That oh yeah, yeah. At the end of that movie with the big rock face on it, that was that was her- that was terrible. Yeah, but uh, so I, I mean, I guess you can compare. I guess he was the rock of the 80s but he was his own i mean arnold is just a he's a really like super super motivated guy he wanted to be famous i mean and he made it happen i mean the guy was uh, he really had quite a career yeah he's a Um, unique
2: a definitely unique you know character actor person yeah
3: like i every time i watch arnold like talk like when he was he did 60 minutes i think a few months ago and it's like, I, I, don't, I know that people, I love Arnold's voice. I just, it's, one, it's to me, one of the most soothing, like, things in my life, probably because I guess I've seen so many Arnold movies and, you know, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's, like it's not the get, It's not the tumor. No, but it's more like his, like, just mid-range where he's just, like, talking, like, you know, yes, I had the guy and I was over there with these things and, you know, it's very, uh, <laughs> I love it. I just, I just, I'm like, oh, it's, like, hypnotic.
2: That's Get why you're going to need to see that movie where he's doing the um, the new one where they're escaping from the prison with him and Stallone that's coming, because oh, it looks like there might be a lot of that kind of talk in it, you know, where they're just chatting.
1: Yeah.
3: You uh, hit, like, and, a
2: vegetarian.
3: <laughs> I know, i got to tell you, you know, it's, like, crazy that, like, these old dudes are doing all these, like, action movies. But, hey, listen, Clint Eastwood was allowed to shoot people for quite a long time. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but I'm a huge Arnold fan. I think Chuck and I... Uh, we certainly are huge. I think most people are, I don't know, at least of our age bracket, you know, when it comes to like action stars, you had Stallone and you had Schwarzenegger. So,
2: Oh yeah. And, and, you know, with, with what, you know, he ended up doing, you know, and he had so many, you know, besides doing Conan, you know, the Terminator films, I I mean, he's just for, for those that era, I mean, he, he was one of the big, hugest, biggest stars, you know, really.
3: But have you ever noticed he kind of looks like Charlton Heston? If you ever put him next to each other, they kind of have a similar look.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a little opinion. bit, I could see oh, yeah, what you mean I a know. little. Yeah, they got
3: big. They got those big choppers, you know. Like, ah, 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 whenever he's like, you know, <laughs> doing that,
2: <laughs> they
4: got that little gap in between their front teeth. Well,
2: yeah. the other thing I liked about Arnold always, from a physical standpoint, is is he, he's still he's also a fairly tall guy too. Yeah, he's you like six three. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, when somebody's that big and also tall. You know, I, I just think I just think it works a lot better. You know, they're like compare him to like somebody like Vin Diesel or something like that, yeah. who I can never. I mean, yeah, he looks like a pretty tough dude, and wasn't he a bouncer for a while? And I probably wouldn't want to get him, uh, you know, on the bad side of me. But he's so short; he's yeah. just so freaking short. You know, and, and and there's just something about a tall guy who's who's that big too, and I know. Uh, and with the voice, of course, yeah.
3: Because I'm about six three, and like every time I look at Arnold, and I'm thinking. He must have weighed like two. I don't know how Like two hundred and eighty pounds or something. I mean, because i because like my on fr- like my frame. I don't. know, I'm like about two ten, and I'm like. I mean, <laughs> it's just he it was just. Well, the funny thing insane. about that,
2: Chris, is, and you know, we can get into this when we get into the movie. And I know that Chuck had some book stuff to talk about, yeah. but uh, I was reading a, a bit about the movie before we got started, and uh, in, according to what I read, he actually slimmed down when he did Conan.
3: Yes, because he couldn't swing the sword. <laughs> well, they
2: wanted him to, they, they say that um, the, the people working on the movie, like Milius and, and De Laurentiis, you know, those guys wanted him to look more, Milius especially, the director, wanted him to look more athletic. You know, didn't want him to look so bulky, like he couldn't move quickly and swing a sword. So they're saying here, I'm reading, like he was 240 pounds or so to start with, oh, and okay. then he slimmed down to like only 210 uh, for, for the movie itself. And I'm like about 190, you know, it's like only 20 pounds more and I'm like 6'4". So I'm like thinking, my gosh, you know, it's all in the right places, I guess. But uh,
3: I guess I mean, the guy I mean, she's Louise, the shape that guy was in back then. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chuck, he's going to he's a. I I have read the um the Robert Howard books and the Dark Horse comics are awesome. Chuck, you have all those, right? Do you have any of those or I've got some of them? Yeah, I have the whole run of the original um, and what they did in a lot of those was sort of um, adapt the Robert Howard stories. And it was the art by Kirk Busick was awesome, but you're going to, you got some stuff
4: about Robert Howard and about Conan. So why don't you go at it? All right. Well, um, I just wanted to uh, kind of start off talking about Robert E. Howard, the man who started Conan. Um, he was uh, born in 1906 and he lived for about 30 years um he grew up uh on the plains of texas kind of during the the frontier so when he was a kid he was still interacting with people that were alive you know in the late 1800s in texas Hmm. you know on the border um so he had this kind of uh frontier mentality his -hmm. whole life yeah Uh, so he was uh kind of a big guy he was a big physical guy he loved bare knuckle boxing and He was fascinated by boxers and he lifted weights and uh, he was kind of almost like a a contradiction because he was this big, uh, you know, muscled, tough guy. But he was also, you know, a writer and a poet. Hmm. So um, he came up with quite a few characters throughout his life writing for uh, Weird Tales, which was a serial magazine back in the 20s and 30s. Um, But his most famous character obviously was Conan the Barbarian. Um, and he was uh, created in 1932, and he wrote Conan stories for about four years up until uh, his death in 1936.
2: So, Chuck, what w- was the was the first appearance or first tale of Conan? W- w- was it for a magazine or was it in book uh, yes. novel form? Or w-
4: well, he wrote no- novellas, right? And, okay. And- yeah, really short stories. Mm-hmm. So if you actually sat down and read all of the Conan stories that he wrote, you could burn through them pretty quickly. Yeah, um, and they're kind of he wrote them out of sequence too. Like you didn't really get a linear story. He kind
3: of would exactly. send, he was he would write King Conan, and then you would see Conan as a thief. You
4: know, and it, it was yeah, it, it was kind of
2: unique sort of all there, over though. the place. Yeah, yeah.
4: That was actually, um, King Conan was the first story he wrote. It was called The Phoenix on the Sword. Yeah. Uh, and that was actually adapted from an earlier story that he wrote about Cull the Conqueror, who uh, some people might recognize um, from that Kevin Sorbo movie in the 90s. Oh, Cole. Uh, Cole. Oh, God,
2: that movie. <laughs> oh, that movie. That movie is fun to just sit down and laugh at.
4: Yeah. Definitely. So uh, the original story was about Cull the Conqueror. Um, and it was sort of a proto-history uh, novel about a man who takes, uh, by force, uh, he usurps this throne. Um, so that's uh, the first Conan story, the, the phoenix on the sword, and uh, he's already a king. He's taken the, the crown of Aquilonia, and the story is kind of uh, filled with intrigue and about um, uh, movements within the city that are trying to... Depose him, murder him, get him off the throne at all costs,
2: so he kind of starts out with talking about him and or his what he wrote was more like towards the end of Conan's life in a way
4: exactly yeah, yeah he that's like Chris said, he kind of jumps around quite a bit and uh-huh. and he does um some of the the stories are from you know when he was a young mercenary um and quite a few of them are you know in the middle of his life, so. And it's um,
2: interesting because that's kind of how they started out the, the movie itself, too. He's sitting there kind of older Conan on the throne kind of thing. And then they right. go into his early childhood, even, and then his early life.
4: Exactly. And kind of the, the sad part is that uh, had he not uh, passed away in 1936, uh, we might have had more Conan stories to read. The, the official uh, documentation is that he was not receiving payments from Weird Tales. Uh, towards the end, because everybody was going through the, the Great Depression, so um, uh, he had these yeah. he had these mounting medical bills from his mother. His mother had tuberculosis, and that kind of shaped his dark outlook on life. Um, you know, his mother had tuberculosis; she contracted it from caring for relatives, and then you know, in, in turn, he had to take care of her throughout most of his adult life. Yeah, so yeah. he had these he had these medical bills that he was unable to pay because. Weird Tales was not paying him so he actually towards the end started to write other characters that would make more money. Yeah, it's, unfortunate.
2: it's it's very you know he it's kind of funny how that you know there are authors of that era and that time, you know, he's not the only one and that are that are very, you know, well-known and famous to this day and people read this stuff still and it's such a sad and shame of it all because a lot of these guys didn't make any money, hardly at all, you know, for what they did, and it's 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 kind of depressing and kind of sad. Wasn't Tolkien kind of in that sort of group, or, well, am, or am I remembering that wrong? I always no, thought I remembered no, that he wasn't very well off either for quite a long time.
3: I don't think he was. He wasn't bad off. Yeah, I think he just wasn't making a ton I mean, of. I'm thinking no, of
2: like Edgar Allan Poe and some other people. Oh, like well,
3: you want th- to talk about depressing? Yeah, well, <laughs> but, <laughs> that's true. You know, but you know, Robert Howard he was he was com- he was a little bit um off in, in the uh in the in the melon because like he felt compelled to write conan stories because he believed didn't he believe conan was sort of standing behind him like looming behind
4: him like he, he alludes to that in yeah. some of his letters to friends um yeah he does allude to that and it was uh in a trip um to Fredericksburg Texas where he in 1932 where he sort of um, got the idea for Samaria, which is, uh, Conan's homeland. Mm -hmm. And through that, he wrote the actual poem Samaria. And he said that Conan kind of materialized out of the mist Hmm. from that. And, uh, it took a full nine months for him to flesh out the character. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. Like Chuck said, he was a kind of a depressed guy, Yeah, So, yeah, yeah. He definitely battled depression. Um, that's, that's a fact, but like you were saying, he, he was not very well paid for his time. Uh, adjusting for inflation um i'm looking at wikipedia here um i think it says his best year paywise was in 1934 where he made adjusted for inflation 31,800. So, yeah. So yeah, he was yeah. he was not paid very well. Um, well those
2: pulps you know back in those days too were 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 so, you know, i mean i mean they were really i mean it was obviously a bad time of 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 you know in the country as far as money but they were paying like nothing you know to 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 print a story you know these days people would think about getting something printed somewhere and you make all this money you know now people can publish themselves and stick it up on amazon or whatever but uh yeah i mean they made nothing a lot of those guys
3: yeah you know what's a good representation of that is that ds9 episode far beyond the stars you know where it shows like the the oh yeah yeah exactly
2: that's a good good point yeah
3: yeah, you know, like you just see that it. it was like a mill, you know, and, the, and they, they just figured that these writers were sort of almost um, interchangeable and sort of expendable.
2: And kind of like a production line almost. It was just right. like a matter of I don't even really care what the story is or what you put down on the page. I need so many pages this week of something. And don't make it too radical or anything like that, you know, because, of course, they wouldn't print it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just like, just shove, shove out something, you know, for me, I need 10 pages or whatever. And, uh, and yeah, they just, I mean, they're getting paid nothing per word, hardly. And,
3: a lot of our, a lot of the authors that we know nowadays that are, you know, are voices of science fiction, fantasy, they start off in magazines like that, like Ray Bradbury, people yeah. like that. So, I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I think it was sort of a standard thing to do back then. If you wanted to get into sci-fi, you started off in those pulp magazines and there was just a billion of them. I mean... Yeah,
2: So yeah. And these days, you know, the the pulp is, is like I said, kind of getting on, you know, doing your own thing on the Internet, which is maybe a better time, I guess. I don't know. So.
3: Probably more rewarding. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I've heard people, some stories of, of people starting to write some stuff and getting it picked up and enough people start to read it and, watch, you know, it, it's obviously a lot easier to do, you know, so.
3: Yeah, like look at some of these webcomics nowadays. They get published, you know, these... Yeah. And then, the, I, you know, I see them in the store, and I'm like, you can get this for free on the Internet. <laughs> they're charging, you know. So, I mean, they're out there trying to make money for them. I, I, I'm not going to yeah. begrudge them. You know what I mean? So it's, it's cool. So um, But then someone you-
2: later did, I mean, I don't know if you were going to talk about this, Chuck, but did somebody at that point in time, or was it much later, didn't, you know, uh, haven't others written Conan stories, other authors? Uh,
4: yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, quite a few authors have covered uh, Conan material. Um, El, El. I'm not sure how to pronounce this. L. Sprague de Camp. Uh, oh, de Camp. Was, yeah, right. Or whatever. Right.
2: Or however you say. Yeah. yeah uh, you're right. I've heard that before. Yep. Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah. El, El Sprague de Camp is actually probably the most well-known uh-huh. uh, person to to write Conan fiction. And as far as his uh, contemporaries at the time go, a lot of people don't know this, but are you familiar with H.P. Lovecraft?
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: The he Cthulhu, was in the, he,
2: all that stuff. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Cthulhu. He was Cthulhu, uh, right. Robert E. Howard was in the kind of like. Uh, Lovecraft Circle of Friends, Circle of Writer Friends. Oh well, that kind of so, makes sense,
2: you know. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that'd be a fun party to be at, right?
4: Exactly. Yeah, I don't uh, know if they remember. So personally. depressed. They, yeah. they love to write letters to each other, and yeah. uh, I, if you don't, if you get a chance to read some of them, they're really, really good. Huh. Okay. Uh, but he has some. He's written some stories that actually take place in in the Cthulhu universe. Oh. Uh, probably the most well known, and probably my favorite would be. Uh, Worms of the Earth, which was not a Conan story. It was kind of earlier than Conan, uh, but it was about a Pictish uh, leader, and he invokes kind of Lovecraftian themes throughout the story. It's very dark, almost horror.
2: Yeah, I think I think I've I think I've heard of some of that, and I think I've even read some of it at some point. Uh, but I, I remember, yeah, now it's coming back to me a little bit about those two guys, you know, yeah. kind of bouncing things off each other, yeah. <laughs>
3: Hey, you get those two guys and Michael Moorcock together and you can have a real depressed party.
2: (laughs) Alan Moore, get him there too. Yeah, Yeah, Alan Moore with that beard. Yeah. He everything. Yeah, that'd be be a fun boy. They'd just sit around and just be all like slumped in chairs pretty much.
3: (laughs) And then have Robert (laughs) Smith, you know, be the entertainment. Yeah, like, oh,
2: you guys think you have it bad. Oh, yeah.
3: But I mean, you know, like Michael Moorcock's main character is depressed the whole time. Oh, yeah, Elric. Elric, yeah. yeah. So it's like, but, you know, I, I think that's just artists, you know, artists in general, they seem to feel things more than other people. So yeah, maybe I think they're... so.
2: And I think they feel this, this this drive to do it, no matter what it does to their personal lives, you know, whether they're successful or not. You know, they just feel this need to, to do it, whether it's Conan standing over them. They think that or whatever it is, you know, they, they, they've just... If if they're successful, fine, but, you know, you always hear these things about the mad painters, the mad writers, you know, of they're just sort of possessed to do what they do.
4: That was definitely a case with Howard because uh, you have to understand that in his time, it was not a manly profession to sit at home and write. Hmm. Uh, He was probably more uh, at home in the company of, you know, uh, men who worked the oil fields or ranch hands uh-huh. Um he yeah. tried he tried quite a few different jobs and and I think his biggest issue is that he had uh, trouble with authority. He didn't like being told what to do and uh he always saw writing as kind of a an escape from that. So at the first chance he got to start writing and start getting paid for that, he kind of jumped on it and never gave up. Ah, uh,
2: that's why I podcast, so people don't tell me what to do. So,
4: <laughs>
2: Yeah, you go, look at you, girly man. You're writing now again. You're, why are you writing? Yeah, man?
3: what is this? What do you got? What do you matter? You can't pick up anything. Lazy. You lazy. He was a bit he <laughs> he was A piece
4: bit of manic. paper is so yeah. light. Friends would go to his house to visit, and they would hear him in his room typing furiously at his typewriter, and he was screaming out lines actually reading the lines that that conan would say hmm. you know it yeah. was just uh it, it was probably amazing to hear but a lot of people in town kind of thought he was a bit touched in the head i think you know, yeah for that i'm reason. sure
2: they did you,
3: you, yeah see to you it's amazing to hear to somebody living in that house horror show
2: exactly <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah we have a lunatic living in our house screaming at the typewriter yeah,
2: how did this yeah, happen to me? It's called ge- genius. Yeah, you know,
4: you know, these. He was days. misunderstood. Yeah, he was definitely misunderstood in his time. He was yeah. he was eccentric, but he was way ahead of his time. Yeah, and he's actually with Conan and and some of these other characters. He is the father of uh, the sword and sorcery genre. Absolutely, um, it would not exist without him. So, uh, a lot of writers have him to thank for that.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the stuff I grew up on when I, when I, when it came to fantasy when I was uh... a. <laughs> budding teenager before I was a teenager this sort of the stuff sword and sorcery stuff, man. That's what that's where it was at, you know. Sort of like I guess, uh, what, Conan and then I think at the same time I started getting into Dungeons and Dragons, so it's like Oh yeah it all, it, went, it yeah. all went together very well. You know? Well
2: and just think about, you know, how much we, we you know, we 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 talk a lot about Star Wars too, but I mean it's it's basically sword and sorcery. It's just yep. sort of, you know, sci fi slash futuristic sword and sorcery, you know a laser sword instead of a, instead of a, a steel sword, you know, and you've got the wizard there with Obi-Wan and all that. I mean, every, that, that parallel that that's been talked about over and over, you know, is, but I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. And yep. it's, it's the seven samurai, you know, it's it's like, you know, the great mission of, you know, or whatever. And no, it's, it's, uh, you know, you know, it's the old thing too. They always say like how many, you know, there are what, six or seven stories real stories in the the whole world or something and it's just a matter of how you the the twists and turns you tell them with so
3: man versus nature man versus himself man versus man find girl you know something (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah, exactly you girly man all right
4: (laughs) so if you ever want to see a great uh it doesn't take much to get
2: Chris going when I just do my awful Arnold, no, no. Arnold, <laughs> Arnold, Maria, Maria, come here, Maria. Oh wait, you're not here anymore, Maria.
3: <laughs> she went away with the maid. Yeah, you know, they're laughing at me with my money. They're down there with the money, laughing at me like, with the drive over them. in my, hey, army. you're not
2: the governor anymore, Arnold. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the wine was a bad idea. No, it's a good idea. Drink more. All right. Yeah, drink more. <laughs> I'm having. I'm almost done. You know, I've I've got my mojito almost finished, so I'm good to go. So. Oh,
3: one of my favorite drinks, mojito. Ah, like oh, so good.
2: Them,
4: the, the only
3: it's, one going dry. So good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you're, a real, you're a real teetotaler, man. What a lameo. <laughs> Yeah, so why what don't you go? You just Chuck, go write something. <laughs> why don't you write something? Yeah, about?
3: yeah. Why don't you go? Why don't you go touch the typewriter? We're gonna go out and get some women. We're gonna go bench press a tree trunk, a bunch of camel, <laughs> a
2: bunch of camel, a bunch of camel. <laughs> oh right. my gosh, punching the camel! I had forgotten about it. you know, I watched this movie again um, the other night. And I'm like, oh my, he he punches that camel, and I, I couldn't remember if the camel actually falls down, but the camel falls down too. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, hey, Arnold. Why don't you go punch this camel now? Apparently,
3: okay. that was the first time Arnold had ever seen a camel at all. He had never seen one. He looks course. pretty startled
2: by it in the movie. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. That's that's. Uh, that, well, we, we're on. Uh, we're still in the past here. Yes. Okay. The yeah.
2: end, so, the movie. But
4: what, what else you got on uh, on the original stuff, Chuck? I also wanted to mention uh, if you ever want to see kind of a biopic about uh, Robert E. Howard's romantic life, there was a film. Uh, released, I think it was in the '90s, called "The Whole Wide World," and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio played Robert E. Howard, uh, and Renee Zellweger played Novelline Price, uh, who was his on and off girlfriend. Hmm. Um, so it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, it doesn't hmm. really get too much into the the Conan aspect. Yeah. It's more of a it's more of a romantic story about you know the the love triangle that. Uh, he had with Nolan and one of his best friends. Huh. So interesting. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a great. Yeah, it's a great movie to watch. It's kind of funny seeing uh, you know uh, Private Pyle from Full Metal Jacket playing <laughs> uh, playing a, a pulp playing writer him, in the nineteen thirties. Yeah. 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 Huh. But uh, it's a pretty good movie, and it's based on her memoirs of him uh, that she wrote towards the end of her life. Yeah, i oh, cool. to check that out. Yeah. And the only other thing I I really think. Bears mentioning is probably um, in, uh, in 1936. Um, he did pass away. Um, his mother, who was ill from tuberculosis, um, started to take a, a turn for the worse, and the doctor told uh, Robert E. Howard, "You know your your mom's not going to come out of this." So um, at that point, he decided to end his own life. And
2: uh, yeah, he was only like he did. 30, or was he even 40, 30 something. He was 30.
4: He was 30 years old. How young! Wow. Yeah, that's
2: that's just crazy. That's just sad. Yeah.
3: Well, look at Hemingway. You know, (laughs) some of these some of these guys that are so creative and authors of some of the um, oh yeah you know they're just you know and Hemingway I guess they they say I guess he would be diagnosed as like what bipolar I think because he was sort of given to ups and downs and I'm sure that Robert E Howard probably be more like a manic depressive I would imagine. You know. Yeah, I would
4: imagine so. Yeah. Um, uh, according to to some of the letters he wrote to his friends, he had kind of joked for you know years about being in in you know towards the end of his life and kind of uh, past his prime. So he really, he kind of sent out these signals, yeah, you know, a few years in advance, I think.
3: Yeah, I find it interesting whenever we look back at people who are like sort of notable or like you know you don't think of them as being young, but I mean this guy created a character that's lasted what are we uh, 70 plus years oh yeah we're still talking about him now
2: they're still doing projects around his the character right yeah
3: right so i mean it's like and you think of and you realize the guy died when he was 30 and i was 30 almost 10 years ago and um, oh yeah it's like when i was 30 i was i was i wasn't doing anything you know i I mean (laughs) it's like it's pretty it's pretty impressive i think people who are great are great and um I, it's just uh, it's fascinating to I me mean, when you just look back at people's lives and how much life they live in this short period of time these crazy oh, yeah the, uh,
2: yeah I, I think of other you know characters like howard hughes and and yeah one thing i was going to say that I, I i find interesting of this of this era in time you know of, of things back in in this time frame in the in the turn of the century up until like the 30s and the 40s even in that area like I wonder if, with more modern medicine and diagnosis these days, I, I, I wonder if we're if we're going to have less geniuses around. I start to think about that occasionally. Like, you just think if this guy got him put on some kind of like Prozac or I don't know. I, I'm no doctor or psychologist or whatever, but just think if if you had some kid who was like you know a teenager and they go. Well, you know, when I'm going to bed, I see this big barbarian guy standing over me, and I want. To, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you a prescription for that. And here, you just take a couple of these a day, and that barbarian he'll disappear. And then, boom, we don't have Conan ever. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing to think about, though. You well, know? I will tell you that
3: that's that's got to be true because I'm I'm you know every now and again when I get either down or I get in some kind of weird mode where you start having, like, that's when I actually start to say, well, you know, I want to draw something. I want to do something creative, and I want to... Uh Or or write something, or come up with... You know, I get all these cool ideas in my head, you know what I mean? And it's like, it certainly makes you wonder if that's sort of a price to pay for, like, creativity. Well, or
2: are we we going to be losing some of that a bit by, by being more sort of Civilized or more technologically and medically advanced, you know, in order to kind of stop that thing.
3: Well, it's you like know. people say when they take Prozac or something like that. They go, "The thing that I miss is it's great." Well, it's great that you know I can wake up and everything's just fine and I can go about my day. But it's all just sort of ordinary. Right. And level. I don't get the you don't get the highs. You don't get to really, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. feel like extremes when we. And some, of course, the problem is, is that they're the extremes on the downslope are so bad. Well, sure, function, right. You don't you know, want, you know, so this like,
2: this guy ended his life. I mean, they, right. that's the that's the other end of the spectrum, you know. Yeah. So, but so it's it, mean, interesting to think about a little bit.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, creative people are just different. Everybody that I know that's very creative. Like look at our buddy Rick Moyer, right? I mean the guy is like super creative, but I mean you know he's he's touched, right? And Rick, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's, I do a podcast with him. I can bust on his I can bust his chops a little bit. No,
2: I think you have to be a little yeah. you know, Just to be you know things. You, I guess it looks at it's like you're, you you want to do something beyond the ordinary or whatever. You yeah. know different and and unusual and and you know even mentioning you know rick moyer i mean look at what you know he did not too long back where he kind of broke off on his own to do his own thing yeah and 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 you were talking earlier you know chuck about robert e howard you know having this trouble with with bosses and authority and he wanted to be a writer you know so he did his own thing and you know most Mm. i think artist types eventually have to kind of be their own you know they can't have somebody dictating to them or telling them, "Oh, this is the way the music should be. This is the way the story should be written. This is the way the painting should be done." You know, it, it, they have to just do it what they feel is right. So,
0: yeah,
2: well, cool, cool, interesting. Yeah. yeah, he quite a quite the tale, really, with this the guy who created Conan. I mean, it, it's <laughs> and you uh,
4: can uh, you could still see his house, um, Cross Plains, Texas, where he lived up until the time he uh, passed away. Um, his house is still there. Wow, and, uh, that's amazing. They have a Robert E. Yeah, they have a Robert E. Howard days um, every year. And if you ever get out to Texas, uh, I would definitely recommend going. Um, that's been a goal of mine to go out and see that for uh, probably the last ten years. Um, cool. Hmm. Yeah. But they've they've done up his room and everything. They, they don't have you know exactly everything that he used, but they have yeah you know, uh, you know facsimiles. That's and nice that they things.
2: can preserve stuff like that. Though. I think there's uh, you know there's in the United States, you know, being a fairly young country, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice that we at least have, you know, some history that we can kind of keep going like that. So we want to well, segue, maybe yeah, we'll, we'll take, uh, take a little short break here. You can slip in a, a clip or two and then we'll come back and get into the movie.
3: Yeah. I'll, um, before we start the move, the, uh, talk about the movie, I'm going to sl- slip in a little, a funny clip here, which is, um, sort of a little amalgamation, uh, not amalgamation, but it's a combination of the uh dvd commentary track that uh, arnold did with john millius who's the director of conan the barbarian and it's one of the i've watched the whole commentary movie with the commentary track it's probably one of the funniest commentary tracks it's not spinal tap um only because i mean it's basically is arnold sort of just telling you what's going on in the movie. <laughs> and it's <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean but it is it is funny and they have they do have some funny comments here and there like Arnold does remark that he was getting a lot of women in the movie and so I mean it's funny I'm going to put that a in surprise. right there's that's a shocker yeah. mm. <laughs> news I'm put line,
2: news headline here we go
3: and it's on it's on YouTube you can find it but it works a little bit better with the visuals but it is funny to hear Arnold and uh, John Milius just kind of chat about the movie yeah while they're watching it so I'm going to put that in right here and then we're going to start talking about the movie
0: yeah, here's the making of the sword. This whole movie has to do with that. Now he's putting it in the snow. That's me when I was young. Here's the hypnotizing that he does. Look at it. She's totally hypnotized. Then she separates her neck. Here's the guy that buys me now. Then I break his arm. Right. Just pounding him with the head and yeah. then breaking his head. Now I'm enjoying it already. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's funny. He was laughing. He didn't laugh long. This is when I get to know the wolf witch, which was another great scene. You know, the way she looks sexy and seductive, and then she seduces me into this, uh, into her little thing. And uh, that's where I met Jerry
5: Lopez. Your God lives underneath
0: him. Ah, that's funny. Yeah, Look at me sleeping cool. there. Oh, that is funny. I know she jumps. I was getting laid a lot in this movie, huh? I know. It was amazing. The lions ate him? Exactly. Uh, that's what he said, yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, he has to listen to the women problems. Even then, in this prehistoric times, women were already in the jewelry, huh? Yeah. But the worst was Grace Jones and Conan, too. Really? Oh, she damaged more people than you can think of. <laughs>
3: Okay. Yeah, that's funny. I love that clip. Anyway, um, so let's talk about the movie, Rico.
2: Yes, please, please, since I just watched it again uh, the other night. And and I can actually still remember, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, you know, just a tiny, just a little bit, a couple years older, I think than both of you but I saw this movie in the theater when it when it was first out and I and I watched it again a couple nights ago and I've seen it a couple other times you know a few other times over the years too but uh, I wanted to get it back in fresh in my mind but I remember when I first saw this movie and how there I had never really seen anything like it before you know the, the, this this kind of a movie and this kind of scale um, it, it was pretty impressive when I when I remember first seeing it yeah, I, I
3: I know I didn't see it in the theater. There's no way that uh, Adam um, would you have been a, like I? what, 10 eight, or something? Eight, years, eight? 8 I would have 8 years old. There's no way. There's uh, come on, kid. It. Come on.
2: Come see your yeah. first R-rated movie. <laughs> My first
3: know? R-rated movie was probably Conan the Barbarian, but I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it um, on home box office like all civilized people in the 80s saw movies. Well, think that about
2: apparently? an R-rated movie in 1982 also. I I yeah, I, it, I mean, you know, that's that's a pretty big deal. You know.
3: I'm pretty sure that this movie was the
2: first time I saw boobs, but <laughs> I, I can't
3: say for sure. But I think it's a safe bet. I
2: think. Yeah. You know, never mind. I was going to say something that the mojito was bringing out, but I'm not going uh, to. I'm going to be better than that. So,
3: <laughs> your, your governor is still working. Good. good thing. Yeah. Slightly. Uh, <laughs>
2: it's it's trying hard not to.
3: <laughs> yeah, but this is definitely like the first like fantasy movie that sort of stuck in my head as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when and 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 it has a lot to do with the fact that I was probably uh, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons, which was the devil's playground, as everybody told me. Oh, you. at
2: that time, yeah, it definitely <laughs> was. I mean, yeah, I played it too back when it was, you know, not not too long after it even first came out. Yeah, and and that's probably another good point about uh, why this made such a big impact on me because you had, you know, geist with swords, you had some magic elements, you know, there there's just this idea of going on these almost a quest and stuff and uh yeah, no, it's um and a little group of adventurers kind of eventually get together. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, a very D and D kind of thing.
3: Yeah, it it and uh it it just for some reason and I know that it's it's certainly um not without cheese. The movie's got plenty of cheese in it. Um but they the thing that I think that you notice about it when you watch it is for the most part, they do play it pretty straight, you know, close to the vest. They play it kind of straight. They, didn't really, they don't really go for, like, I don't think it's so goofy. You know what I mean? I think that they take the cells yeah. very seriously. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the cheese is just a lot of the – some of the effects, like the, the big rubber snake and things like that, that they're cutting up. But, I mean, it just sticks with me. Every, I, I, I hear the uh, – soundtrack by uh, Basil Paolodorus, which we can talk about later. It's one of the, my favorite scores ever.
2: Oh, yeah. The music, uh, yeah. it's one of the things I, I I just love so much about this movie. I mean, the, yeah. when I watched it the other night, it, it, it's just like the, the soundtrack. I don't think if this movie had a different soundtrack, I wouldn't like it nearly as much as I do. The soundtrack in this movie is giving me a, a good 70, 60, 70. It's about, if I had to break it down, maybe it's about 60 that and the, and the rest is pretty much Arnold or so, yeah. but uh, but the music, yeah, I, I love the soundtrack to this. Yeah, yeah it's back in back
3: when I was a, a cross country runner, and it was in the days of Walkmans, uh, the Conan uh, tape was what I used to listen to a lot. You know, it's it was just, just so going.
2: strong. I mean, it's yeah. just so fits so well. You know, and
4: they're inseparable. Really, you can't you can't have one yeah, without it's like, the other. Boom, 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 boom. I remember, uh, yeah, I remember listening to. Uh, the soundtrack when I was when I used to lift weights in high school, I was on the weightlifting team, and I listened to that while I was pumping iron. So, <laughs> it definitely worked.
3: Yeah, it, you know between that and any Rocky soundtrack, I'd be good. But I mean, it's it's it like just the scene like where him and or uh, Conan and Subutai are sort of running across the plains, you know, and they just got like really nice music playing, mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah. epic. It makes it seem very important. Which is really what a good score does for a movie, you know. I mean, like, uh, what's his name? Robert Zemeckis talks about how Alan Silvestri's, you know, theme for Back to the Future sort of made everything seem much more important, you know, much more
2: dramatic you know, and everything because yeah.
3: because the, sc- the score was so strong. And I think that that makes a big difference in any movie. And if you yeah, know, and that's another
2: soundtrack that I love too. So I yeah, I completely agree with with what he has to say that 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 you know that that score and that soundtrack you know both of these i can just listen to them and we talked about it i think even a few weeks ago chris i mean i it just puts me right back in the movie and that kind of feel and everything for it uh, right is just it just works so well
3: <clears throat> this was definitely um the movie that me and my friends would stay up late and watch, you know, because we probably shouldn't have been watching it. You know what I mean? We were having sleepovers and Conan was on HBO or something, you know. Let's watch Conan, you know, because there's, there's a lot of naughty naughty bits in it. Definitely, you know, there's an orgy scene. and
4: I mean, Oh, yeah. There's a lot of gross There is?
2: Stuff. I don't remember. no <laughs> <laughs>
4: or slash cannibalism party yeah yeah when they're cooking
2: all oh, the that meatballs. part yeah yeah so do That's you want to so do i don't know what you how do you want to do some of this chris but do you want to sure. you want to go some of through some of the background on it or the story or the cast or how do you want to you know, just come uh, just go as we as we comes to mind or what do you think
3: well we can talk about some of the casting i think that would be pretty interesting schwarzenegger again he was paid um Two hundred fifty thousand dollars on a retainer to do this movie. So he hadn't done the movie yet, but they paid him that much money just because they wanted him to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because um, there's a lot of people that uh, there was a guy named Paul Salmon, and he uh, he said that Arnold was the living incarnation of one of Frazetta's paperback uh, Frank Frazetta, his illustration, just his body. You know, he he was so famous for the for his body, and I think he was sort of. It was like almost, you know, like freakish how he looked. I think uh, how you know how much muscles and how him had the definition. It was just insane. But um, he, um, they, I guess, some of the other people they wanted for Conan were Sylvester Stallone, which isn't really a, a big surprise, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, Charles Bronson.
2: Oh, which, yeah. I mean, I, I saw guess that like too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how how that would go, but I mean, yeah. So. And they also wanted this other guy I'm reading here, this William Smith. William who, Smith, yeah. And doesn't he, I believe, I'm looking at a picture of him. I think he, doesn't he play Conan's father in the movie at the beginning of it? Where he's doing the whole speech to him about steel and all that? Yeah. I, I believe that's the, that's the actor. I'm looking at a picture of him. Yes, that is him. Yeah, because yeah, if you look at the cast of Conan. So yeah, the guy that plays Conan's father at the beginning when he's giving the speech to the little kid Conan, we'll call him. Yeah.
6: Fire and wind come from the sky, from the gods of the sky. But Krom is your god. Krom, and he lives in the earth. Once giants lived in the earth, Conan, and in the darkness of chaos, they fooled Crum. and they took from him the enigma of steel. Crum was angered. And the earth shook. And fire and wind struck down these giants, and they threw their bodies into the waters. But in their rage, the gods forgot the secret of steel and left it on the battlefield. And we who found it are just men. Not gods, not giants. Just men. The secret of steel has always carried with it a mystery. You must learn its riddle, Conan. You must learn its discipline. For no one, for no one in this world can you trust. Not men, not women, not beasts. This you can trust.
2: That that guy there, they were thinking of having play Conan, which I could see. I mean, he's a little older. He's a big guy, and uh, he plays his dad in the movie. So, I, c- I could yeah. sort of—he's probably the only one of those other actors that I could see maybe of doing the part. But uh,
3: it just shows you like how different times are. Like that in the seventies or early eighties, that they would maybe consider a Charles Bronson or or this other this William Smith guy who are who are probably in their forties uh-huh to play to be like a in a big sort of movie and nowadays you know you know they got to get guys that are young except for robert downey jr of course but i mean you know it's all yeah, they'd have 40. like taylor
2: lautner or something play conan like come on yeah right yeah the, but the get cast out of here you, you girly man you wolf boy go away <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: they so like you said earlier they wanted a more athletic look so he went down from 240 to 210 so he did like more you know yeah rope rope climbing horseback riding swimming and you know to get like a little bit and sword play a, a ton of
2: a ton of you know working with a, a sword master you know all the the main cast did and that sword play you know he he swings that sword around i was watching in the movie i mean it's like he's doing a pretty good job i've i've done some sword stuff and i mean he's 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 doing a good job with it
3: um it says that Sean Connery and John Houston were considered for roles. I would imagine that would probably be for King Osric. Yeah, for uh, the
2: for the Max von Sydow character. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah, James Earl
2: Jones, uh Who I had even uh, kind of almost forgotten that he was in this Max, you know, that he sends them off to save his daughter, you know. Yeah, from...
3: he has a really that really cool scene, you know, where he says, you know, there comes a time when the Jewels lose their sparkle. Yeah. There's Throne some... room becomes a prison and all that is
1: left is his father's love for his daughter. They call it the Fangs of the Serpent. And this one was thrust into a father's heart by his very son. And my own daughter has fallen under this false Doom's spell. Is there a dagger such as this in her hand for me? She follows him as a slave, seeking the truth of her soul as if I could not give it to her as we speak my daughter travels east to Thulsa Doom and his mountain of power she is to be his steal my daughter back take all you can carry There's more, There's much more, enough to become kings yourself. There comes a time, thief, when the jewels cease to sparkle, when the gold loses its luster, when the throne room becomes a prison, and all that is left is a father's love for his child
2: for kind of a uh, a a and sorcery movie that was one thing i was noticing when i watched it again of there there's some actually pretty good writing in in this movie in certain places it's a little oh. uneven and i was well, you reading know who... you know about the script being you know yeah. pretty much like you know yeah, this guy worked on it and then this guy worked on it and then they threw this out and then this guy worked on it you well, know. we
3: know who worked on it
2: was oliver stone <laughs>
3: yep. yeah
2: right except they tossed most of that out i believe from one <laughs> and... Of course, you
3: know. John Milius John Millius wrote a big chunk of it. Yeah, and um, you know what John Milius is his his something that you might recognize that he worked on was the um, the Indianapolis speech from Jaws. He wrote uh, a big long, a much longer version of it than that Quint says in Jaws. Oh, okay, and then Robert Shaw, who who actually was a pretty talented writer himself, he took it home and then wrote it. From that, and then they got it to what became the movie. So John Milius is is pretty well. He, he's he's a he's sort of a, a pretty well known sort of figure mm-hmm. in Hollywood, isn't? Sort of um, John Goodman's character in um, the the Big Lebowski based on him a little bit. Am I wrong?
2: Yeah, I think, yeah. no, he is. he's, yeah. he's
4: directly yeah. based upon John Millius. Right. Well,
2: John Millius is is like also he's a he's like a big guy too, right? Yeah. Physically, he, he he's a really big guy, and and. I, I remember hearing when this when this movie was being made, when Conan was being made, that you know uh, th- he loved this stuff. He loved the whole you know genre, I think, and and just because he's you know he I think he wanted to be Conan <laughs> in a way. <laughs> I think he was sort of living living it out through doing the movie in a way. But yeah, he 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 definitely did a lot of script uh, work on this, you know, besides obviously directing it. So right. Yeah, it's... Because um... this, cause this stuff I'm reading here about what Oliver Stone was doing, you know, where there was going to be this, like, it was going to be set in the future, and Conan was going to be battling mutants and stuff and things, and the movie was going to probably be, like, four hours long and cost a whole bunch more money, and, and just much different than I would see as a, a basic, you know, sword and sorcery kind of a revenge tale, which is really what this movie is. <laughs> you know, mutants, yeah. mutants, <laughs> stupid.
3: <laughs> it, is, it is weird when like they, um they sort of try to take something out of its realm and uh, like Highlander, remember Highlander that had a really cool sort of first movie. And oh, then, that, that thing
2: went all over the place. Then that they had the, that it was the like fu-
3: the, the future and they, they made the, 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 the immortals were like aliens or something. It was yeah. so, it's like, you know, they really, Screwed the pooch on that one. I mean, that movie could that could have been a. I mean, I know that it's was a fairly successful like TV show and everything, but I felt uh-huh. like that that went off the rails pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. They didn't know what they were doing. Not like me. I go on the horse. I I punch the camel. I punch the camel. <laughs> But this movie, okay. yeah. basic,
3: I mean, wasn't it, it? Was just really just a huge vehicle for Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, it, it, almost. I mean, everything. It seems like so much of the uh, pre-production, so much of the preparation for this movie was just getting Arnold to be ready. They 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 wanted, they hoped that Max Fonsito and James Earl Jones would sort of rub off on Arnold, and apparently they became pretty good friends. And Arnold sort of mm-hmm. coached James Earl Jones on how to. Um, Stay in Shape and James Earl Jones and Max Fonsito sort of helped him with his acting, you know. And Because, I mean, they didn't really give him too many lines. I don't... I mean, like...
2: No, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue in the movie. I I, know, mean, I noticed that again, too, yeah.
3: The only... Um, as a matter of fact, like, the only dialogue that he has with his girlfriend in the movie is when he first meets her, you know. Yeah. You're not a guard. That's about it, and that's all he ever says to her. Yeah. You know, and the rest of the movie, it's just sort of her sort of talking to him or... You know, so I mean, I'm sure you want to live they...
2: forever. Come on, you want to live forever? <laughs> Sandel Bergman as Valeria, yeah. right? Do they even Valeria. ever call her Valeria in the movie? You know, um, yeah,
4: Conan does reference does name. Does he say Valeria? Valeria, yeah, but, uh, he does.
2: She she moves really, really well. I mean, they obviously picked her because she was a, a, a dancer and, and very athletic, but uh. Just when she's climbing over things, and just the way she uses the sword and stuff in this movie and things, I, I just like her in that part a lot. I just think it works real well. I, I mean, I've seen other uh, sword and sorcery type movies over the years, and with women in them even, and there's something just something much better about the way she does it here than than a lot of others I've seen. Well, she- yeah, she's a tough-looking chick. I mean, yeah.
3: and not not in an unattractive way. She's uh, you know attractive. Well,
2: she's attractive, of course. You know, I uh. you know. <laughs>
3: but I mean, you know that um, apparently I'm just trying Arnold,
2: to egg Chris on. That's my. You're goal. trying. That's, I know. I'm just <laughs> trying to <laughs> come on, Chris. <laughs> come on, you know. she's attractive. Come on, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I one time I said sundial,
3: you know, I want you to come over my trailer. It's messy, and uh, my you maid's clean, not been clean uh, it <laughs> up. <laughs> she's not been cleaning uh, because she's been busy doing other things. But um, apparently, like her and Arnold, they didn't have body doubles, so they had to do all their own stunts because they couldn't find—certainly couldn't find anybody that sort of fit Arnold. And I guess they couldn't find anybody with with her sort of body look either. So they both did their own stunts. Yeah, I was There's, watching. Uh,
4: the, yeah. go ahead. The Chris. actor that played uh, Sabutai also did his own stunts. All, all three of them.
3: Yeah, she's a big woman. She's five foot ten, so I mean, she's pretty tall for 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 a lady.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and, and obviously Arnold's tall. We were talking about that earlier, so you know that it would have been hard, right, to double. And I was looking; I wasn't specifically looking for that, but I'm pretty good at uh, being able to spot that. Typically, I mean, I watch a lot of movies and so forth. But I, yeah, it, it was pretty obvious that there there's no place in this movie I'm seeing where there's slipping somebody else in to play them i i yeah they they definitely uh trained yeah. a lot and stuff i guess i was reading too that that Sandel bergman there was one little tiny accident she got her finger cut by, yeah. by one of the stunt people or something they were doing you know so but with all the stuff that goes on in this movie i i it sounds like a pretty minor thing compared to what could have happened so
3: yeah she lost like the tip of her finger apparently
2: oh is that what it was the whole tip or something yeah yeah oh it's just the tip of the finger you know you got you got like nine others (laughs) yeah
3: what are you crying about (laughs) you know i got the circumcision with the sword
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right now we're cooking all right all right (laughs) you know in like 30 years i'm gonna be the governor so you know
3: I mean, we could probably go. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on this movie, but I guess yeah, they did most of the. Of course, this was back in the old days, and they didn't have, um, you know, as they didn't do a lot of optical effects. I guess main optical effect you, you see is is that, those like demons, sort of coming to get. Which you know, I actually Conan. liked
2: it a lot. I mean, it looks doesn't look like they would do it these days. But the thing I liked about that, Chris, when I saw that again, is yeah. is it looks different. It's not it's like creepy. Yeah. It looks sort of you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me a little bit of what you see in like Fantasia. In yeah. in Fantasia and like Night and Bald Mountain and something of these evil things trying to come and take Conan's spirit away and all that and they're fighting him off. Um but yeah, no, they you know there's a lot of just practical effects in this movie.
3: Yeah, it's mostly practical and apparently yeah. they um they they use a ton of blood. A lot of squibs. So. Yeah, so I guess when they were filming, like in the in the in the freeze, in like very cold temperatures, they had to mix the blood with um, vo- uh, with vodka, so it wouldn't freeze. Apparently, the actors were uh, oh yeah, <laughs> we we, we do the funny uh, uh, we say, Hey, uh, I need some more blood. To, to drink your up. blood. Uh, yeah. I don't know if Arnold would be drinking that. You know, alcohol turns into sugar. You know, so. <laughs> no, that yeah.
2: Body. Well, they film most of this in Spain. Right, they, that's what yeah. I'm reading. They were going to do it in somewhere else, Yugoslavia or something at the time, and then didn't because of I don't know, cost more. I'm trying to remember. I read through a lot of this stuff before we started, but, but yeah, they did was,
3: get a lot of cool um, scenery in these in this movie. I mean, they definitely, um,
2: yeah, it looks you know different. You know, it doesn't look like your backyard or something like that. I mean, it looks like another land.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I love that about it. I mean. Mm-hmm you know like i love anytime there's like just like swords and fighting in like snow like in the beginning in samaria that's just so cool you know like uh that scene where 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 Thulsa doom comes into the uh you know the the, the village and slaughters them all it's just that just that's that, in my head it just burns yeah it burns in there it's a real you know? visceral
2: too That the, the yeah. fighting in this movie for the most part is doesn't seem so like Fake, like the weapons look like they have weight to them. For the most part, they're not swinging them around like they're made out of plastic. Uh, you know, there you can feel the blows a little bit and the impact from them. I mean, it's it must it seems much more real to me than than some other things that I've seen. Even more recent stuff.
3: Well, that's like I say, I, I I you know CGI a lot of times is is sort of invisible. But sometimes it's just we are all I guess we're all sort of trained to look for it. You know. Yeah. So when, when you see stuff that you know was done on, you know, in front of the camera, you know, even if you say, well, it was obviously a rubber arm or whatever, it still sort of feels more real than CGI sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, well, there's just, a lot
2: of limbs and heads and things, you know, and blood, like you, you said in this movie that, you know, you'll see sometimes a movie like this, you know, a PG-13 type of sword and sorcery, and there's like, okay... They're swinging these swords around. How come there's no blood spurting? How come there's no limbs falling off? How come nothing is happening like that? You know, that that's when I usually have a problem and say like this doesn't make sense. So,
3: yeah, you know, it's if you want to ever, anybody ever wonders why um how Arnold became you know, he's he's a is, is rich and he he's a really smart businessman. He and this is his first Basically, his first major movie—the first time he, he was the main star of a movie—and he got five percent of the uh, film's profits. It was uh, in his contract. So, I mean, right away he was starting to, on how to make how to make dough in this business. I mean, yeah. smart people don't give Arnold enough credit for being smart, and he is super super intelligent.
2: Oh yeah, when yeah. He he had a goal. You know, he wanted to be a, a you know a movie star. He wanted to be you know well known and all that. He wanted to be famous. And uh, and he just focused on that. So, yeah, you know, I mean, this movie, <laughs> we're talking about effects. I mean, the scene where he's
3: on the uh, the tree of woe, you know, or <laughs> yeah. he's up, up on the tree. And then oh, I notice. love that
2: scene where he yeah, well, chomps the the little uh, whatever it is. Uh, it's his, a vulture. A vulture, right? Yeah. Well,
3: it was a real vulture that was chewing on him. Like they had a real, obviously a real vulture, but the vulture that he, he bites. That yeah. was a dead that was an actual dead vulture. <laughs> it was an actual dead vulture that and they had to like give him like you know, whatever, like Listerine or something like immediately afterwards to make sure he didn't it. Yeah, catch well
2: I took some Listerine of course, but you Yeah, know, of I, course.
3: Well, I didn't even need it, I just, I just I didn't need it. I was going <laughs> yeah, to keep eating yes. it, you know. I was kind of hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I took I took it home and ate the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. It was <laughs> like fry it
2: up with some butter. Like mama used to make.
3: Yeah, I mean, so I mean, do you want to talk about back in the day? They uh, they just did it. Yeah, you know they just I mean? did it.
2: Well, they, there are some notes in here. I'm reading about you know they they got a, in a, a little bit of trouble with like the you know the the animal cruelty people a little <laughs> to a degree. I mean, you know, some of the stuff they do to. Uh, well, I, I guess uh, I guess Arnold got a little bit up by one of the dogs that's used in this movie too. Oh, I'm yeah, reading he hurt something. Yeah, and uh, and you know they were using horses, dogs, camels, you know vultures. I I mean, it wasn't like oh yeah, let's just throw a little CGI puppet animal in here. Yeah, and apparently
3: uh, the uh, the dogs, you know, they were he was warned about the dogs. You know, it's like listen, these dogs are awful.
2: I'm not scared of no doggy.
3: Right, and so it's on the you can actually see it in on the DVD like it's an outtake. Of where he's running up the, you know, to where you know he falls into the grave where he gets his sword. Um, he, um, it's just like an outtake. You, you see him get pulled down, and you hear
2: him do that. Ah, ah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> I noticed you know? that. Yeah. And then,
3: and then, like he's like cursing because apparently he, he got hurt fairly, you know, seriously. Uh, he hurt his back when he got he fell on that hill because those dogs clamped right onto him. Yeah so i mean they would just set dogs upon actors back then <laughs> yeah. i mean nowadays these actors run run
2: <laughs>
3: run yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy but i mean <laughs> it's like you know that noise that he makes i don't know what that is i'm not
2: sure but, I mean, if there's a word just, in there or if it's just a noise uh, yeah. yeah
3: i mean it's just the best noise of all time it I is mean, it's like
2: it's like the the do you know the wilhelm scream do you know that sound right. effect you of know, course. If, if people listening don't understand, but there's this famous, and it was used in the Raiders movies a lot. Star Wars. Uh, it was used in Star Wars. George Lucas and, and uh, Steven Spielberg love it, but it was this Wilhelm Scream, this this guy, um, it's basically a, a, a real sound effect that was created a long, long time ago. It was you, you a cowboy could, movie. Yeah, is that where it was first used?
3: Yeah, you can actually look on YouTube, there's a history of the Wilhelm Scream. Yeah, um, but, but it, it pops it, I, up
2: in all kinds of uh, all kinds of movies uh, uh, since then. Anytime somebody yeah. falls down some like ravine or a chasm or something it's like ah, you know, the but but the Arnold noise, you know, is 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 like the Wilhelm scream in this movie, you know. It's like <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, uh, Ben Burt who
3: was the sound guy in Star Wars, it was sort of like it became sort it was sort of an in joke for like sound guys where they could the put sc- them
2: put it in in the movie yeah, yeah where so could I they just, slide it in yeah
3: right so i think that's why and i think it just became more more used more after that now I, I, it was even in the superman movie man yes. it still, i noticed was, it yeah yeah, yeah with, exactly when the, uh, when the soldier gets when he falls out of the back of the c-17 you hear him do the scream and of course you laugh because it's like in video games now like uh, red dead redemption every once in a while i'll shoot a guy off a horse and that scream will happen so
2: it's awesome it's, yeah, if that, that guy, whoever made it. that, made you know a dollar off of every time that thing has been made, you know, or used since then. But
3: uh, I believe the first time you see a, a cowboy get hit with like an arrow, and then the noise happens. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that Arnold noise. I've used it so many times, like when I'm trying to pick things up, you know, that are heavy. You know,
2: you, yeah. Hey, Chuck. When? When's you? What you're? You know, you were saying earlier. I think about. Have you seen this movie a lot over the years? Have you seen it recently too?
4: Yes, I've probably watched this movie a hundred times. Oh my, my gosh, really? That yeah.
2: uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, yeah. So tell us what what are your some of your favorite parts? Is it is it is it Arnold in the movie? What is it that uh, makes you watch it that many
4: times? Well, of course, we already talked about the soundtrack, um, but uh-huh. I think the beginning of the movie is so powerful. Um, you know, with the forging of the sword. Oh I yeah. Um, it's a great scene, um, and then you know Conan is sitting at the top of this mountain with his father, and he's talking to him about the Riddle of Steel. Um, that's also an excellent scene, and uh, yeah, never get tired of watching is. that. It's and you know it sets the plot for the whole film, um, but uh, there's so many great moments in this film. You know, it's hard to really pick uh, my favorites, um, but uh, definitely when they uh, when. Ah, uh, Conan and Valeria and uh, Subutai scale the tower. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and they they steal the you know the jewel from uh, Thulsa Doom. I, I always loved that part of the film. I thought that was great. Yeah, uh, the giant snake. Even though by today's standards it's fairly cheesy, uh, I still thought you know when I was a kid I thought that was amazing. I thought it looked pretty you
2: know. good still. Actually, I didn't think it's it just, was is that bad really. No, it's not bad.
3: Just a couple of. Times. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a,
4: realistic but the the, the, the chop, actual movement
3: yeah the movement's not great when they're and when, yeah. they're, when they're chopping it up it clearly is not you know yeah that was
2: actually thing. a uh a, a real um a mechanical snake basically that they made yeah. like yeah. Uh, like i'm reading here this guy named alder uh it was like a twenty thousand dollar prop 36 feet long mechanical snake yeah
3: yeah there is a cool scene where the where the girl is laying there on the floor and it's just like the bits of it are flopping around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I I, lo- I I like uh You know what though, I don't really I never fault you know, like like Ray Harryhausen, you know, I mean Oh, that's
2: classic stuff. You know, yeah.
3: you look at you don't look at a Ray Harryhausen movie and go, Oh, I'm being like sucked in by the reality realism of it. No, but it's meant to be otherworldly and it has its own style and I I mean it just is it's fun to watch. So I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I don't think you know. I I don't know. Maybe because we're we're older and we're not of this generation, and I don't I don't really think everything needs to be like super realistic. You know, I don't really. I think have you just that.
2: get in the mood of whatever it is you're watching. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, okay. This is definitely. this is this. You know, I can watch movies from the 30s and stuff, and 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 still enjoy them. I like Metropolis, for example. You know, one of the older sci-fi films has just got some very cool things in it. It has this sort of neat look to it so um
3: well I, i've said this a million my son who's 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 15 now and we we're watching aliens and i mean can anybody argue that aliens is just one of the you know best movies ever it's just a great movie it's solid you know yeah we were watching yeah. it game over like, man game over you know we were watching it and he's like and he's like dad I know that these graphics were good when you were a kid. They're not very good. <laughs> Did he really and say I'm like, that? I yeah. like I go first of all Anthony, they're not graphics. Yeah, it's graphics. Yeah. All right. And you know what? Be quiet. You know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I mean... I, I, that's you'll just appreciate it in
2: another 10 years. You'll appreciate it for the classic that it is, yes.
3: He's he's generally pretty good about older stuff. Yeah. I think he was just busting my chops because I was... I think he was comparing... I was comparing it to a different a movie that he liked, and I was just telling him how much better it was. So he was just trying yeah. to bust my chops. But I mean, I, 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 I miss it. I love model work. I just love it. I don't care how it's done. I love props. I love... Mm-hmm. And that... And, and really, like... When it comes to like, say, Star Wars prequels, which I'm not a I'm not a hater of them, like the way some people are, but I think the thing that really you detracts from them is the lack of 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 really of props and things that are. You know, I think that was a part a problem. They a, a just seem the,
2: a little less real right. than the original just, trilogy. They just yeah, seem are so much more practical and and you know George Lucas when he did the original trilogy, I mean, he was doing a lot of that because c- it was cheaper. You know, right. that's why so many of the classic props were made out of, uh, you know, basically found items that they throw a few little doodads on and say, OK, there's a lightsaber, there's a blaster, bang, we're done. You know,
3: it's like on Star Trek, the next generation or any of those shows where they go on on, you know, they go off the set and they go somewhere like in the woods or they go to mm-hmm. a place. where there's just, It's just it just kind of adds a different a nice dimension to everything, yeah. you know, yeah. and when you. Because you can pretty, I mean, even though you, the effects are wonderful, but in those Star Wars movies, you just know that they're on a green screen set because most, I think, what like seventy percent of those movies were filmed in those sets.
2: Yeah. Hey, Chuck, yeah. I was going to ask you what do you think, and I was going to ask Chris at some point, but Chuck, what do you think about uh, what do you think about Falsa Doom here, and what do you think about uh, James Earl Jones what, after seeing it as many times as you have? Do you think he's kind of he kind of hams it up just a little too much? or, or do you, um, do, what do you, what do you think about his, his performance?
4: I think he was excellent. I, I think that along with, uh, you know, Max von Sydow, I think that he just adds a lot of weight to the film, uh-huh. um, because he's such a powerful actor and he has such a strong voice. Yeah. Uh, and the character itself, you know, Thulsa Doom is based off of, uh, off of, uh, you know, an actual wizard character that was in, in the Howard stories, Uh uh-huh. um, and so, was, was
2: he as powerful in those stories? Do you know or remember? I mean, was he pretty much the same? Where he could sort of like, you know, almost mesmerize people and, and
4: yes, he he was beautiful women ways, especially. Uh, it
2: seems like kind of like Arnold, right? It's like <laughs> yeah, look into my eyes, look into yes, my eyes, look at
4: my pecs. Yeah, he was definitely reminiscent of of the literary character, yeah. uh, uh-huh. Tothamon. Uh But yeah, he used a magic ring in in, in the novels and. Oh, okay. more traditional magic and i think Milius wanted to downplay the magic in this film a bit and make it uh a little bit more believable visceral uh, visceral exactly yeah. but yeah i think i think that james Earl jones was great and uh uh-huh. uh i think even in the beginning you know when he rides into uh the sumerian village with with uh the vanir raiders that he's that he's riding with at that time um he just when he takes off that helmet that that snake helmet or whatever helmet (laughs) yeah when he takes that off just the look in his eyes like you can tell that he is not messing around (laughs) you know he is there to to sow chaos
2: oh yeah and the fact that he you know hey hey you know and this is you know 30 plus year old movie so you know I, i don't care i'm not even gonna say spoiler warning but you know when he kills conan's mother you know lops her head off right in front of him or in, mm-hmm. right, you know, right in front of Conan, I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's kind of a bad dude here. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, really, I, you know. And then they take these kids away and and they turn them into slaves. You know, they these, sell these, them into
4: slavery. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and they're and they're like kids. You know, in these days, these days, if you if you put a movie out like that, you know, where okay, this woman's head's cut off, chop chop. You know, right in front of her son. And then we're going to take all the little kitties away, and we're going to we're going to sell them into slavery. Yeah, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's pretty rough well, stuff, the, you know.
4: The truth is that the the Vanier Raiders are, are sort of based on like the Vikings. Mm-hmm. So in yeah. those days, in, in you know, in early history, oh sure, um, that's what yeah. they would do. You know, they would kill all the men. Well, they would that's Take what, the women and children and, and sell them into slavery. And know? that's what some so. people
2: who who don't understand and know about human you know cultures and history and background and that's what i always try to bring up sometimes when those arguments are made like oh this is so bad i'm like do you know what some people used to do like just a few hundred years ago or something yeah not that long ago i'm like ah you know um people did worse than this so uh, and and some continue to do worse than this so my
3: favorite scene with with him in it is where he's kind of He's just telling Conan like uh, what real power is. He's just, you know, Conan... Oh yeah, yeah. He when asks, he makes, he ask, yes, yes, makes he the he girl jump. The Come riddle. to me. Come to me. Yeah, here. and he, he mm-hmm. tells him the riddle of steel, which is which is uh, what is Come what what is this without the hand that wields it? You know.
1: Where is the eye of the serpent? Rexor says that you gave it to a girl, probably for a mere night's pleasure. What a lost... People have no grasp of what they do. You broke into my house, stole my property, murdered my servants and my pets, and that is what grieves me the most. You killed my snake. Thorgrim is beside himself with grief. He raised that snake from the time it was born. You killed my mother.
5: You killed my father! You killed my people! You took my
0: father's sword!
1: It must have been when I was younger. There was a time, boy, when I searched for steel. And steel meant more to me than gold or jewels. The riddle of steel? Yes. You know what it is, don't you, boy? Shall I tell you? It's the least I can do. Steel isn't strong, boy. Flesh is stronger. Look around you. There, on the rocks, that beautiful girl. Come to me, my child. That is strength, boy. That is power the strength and power of flesh. What is steel compared to the hand that wields it? Look at the strength of your body, the desire in your heart. I gave you this. Such a waste. Contemplate this on the tree of woe.
3: Yeah, but yeah, but I really lo- <laughs> just Arnold. I mean, you know, you took my father's sword. Yeah, you know, but I mean, it's just a really you cool killed my mother. You killed my father. You, you killed my people. Yeah, yeah. I love. I love that uh, that scene is the whole scene is just. I, th- I think I agree with Chuck. I love James Earl Jones in this role. I think he just owned it. You know, he was
2: just like, oh, you make it. You you certainly hate him. You certainly hate him quickly, you know. You don't, you know, you want Conan to succeed and, and beat this guy, you know, and everything that yeah. he, that he's done to him and stuff. I always love the 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 wheel of pain or the whatever that is that what it's called the the yeah. the, the little I'm way
4: in the beginning, yeah, the wheel of pain where he's uh, chained to Yeah, you know, what's, they, it, what's that doing even? I don't know. That's what I was I exactly wondering. Kind of,
2: what the heck is that rhinestone. little
4: wheel for? It's a grindstone. Is that sometimes. all it is?
2: It's just to grind yeah. up their food or their flour. Is that? That's a lot of flour.
4: <laughs> I think uh, it was more to condition the the young men into pit fighters. Oh, oh that's right.
2: well, they certainly did that. I always uh, that was one thing that I always was very impressed, and I thought was a very slick way to. They have little kid Conan, you know, and then they hook him up to the wheel and they show his legs, you know, pushing this wheel mm-hmm. around through, you know, all kinds of terrible weather year in, year out, and then all of a sudden his legs are a little bigger and then they're really big and then Arnold looks up and it's Arnold now. I just thought that yeah, was a, a
4: great like, transition.
2: Yeah, I thought that was a, a great way to basically show not only, okay, now we can slide the, the guy playing this same character in, but also, you know, you, you you can understand why how did this guy get is huge. You at least kind of buy it a little bit, you know,
4: so... Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's that's definitely uh,
4: it's that's, a uh, it's almost like a, uh, a I don't know what you call it maybe a parable you know in the beginning his father's sword is forged and then through the wheel of pain he is forged into a weapon almost mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah and then he you know he finds the other sword in the in the cave thing or whatever and you know I the, love that
4: scene yeah I mean, he, he finds it that, that's an Atlantean king and uh, he finds the Atlantean sword and it's essentially you know indestructible
2: yeah and i was even looking before uh earlier today before we did this and uh i've always (laughs) wanted i you know i collect a lot of this kind of stuff and it looks like they're they're probably not the greatest but you know you can get a lot of cool sword and replicas off of ebay pretty cheap i'm looking right at this conan barbarian atlantean sword with a plaque for it looks you know at least like it was in the movie it's like 50 bucks Wow! <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, who, I mean, they're saying it's made out of you know whatever four forty stainless steel made by this Factory's Edge company, but the, you know, for fifty bucks, I may just take a jump on it. You know, it's like
3: yeah, I bought mm-hmm. I bought a sword. Well, I bought the um, Aragorn sword from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's it, I, I got it for a pretty reasonable price, but it's huge you know it's like five feet almost I think. oh
2: yeah well some of those yeah some of those I, I i have a couple around here too yeah some of them are crazy long you know, and it's, it's, it's like,
3: like right here next to next to where i'm sitting and it's like i always joke that i would if anybody ever broke into my house i would just go after them with narsal you know and <laughs> yeah. just
2: like you know yell like ah <laughs> yeah do the arnold thing yeah, yeah. but uh, i think well, they
4: consider that a bastard sword is that what that is? Or a hand and a half sword?
2: Yeah, but a, you know, well, you, Conan's is kind of cool because it's it's wider. You know, the Atlantean one. It's that a broadsword. Yeah. yeah, it's a, basically a broadsword, and it's not nearly as long as is like you know the some of the Lord of the Rings swords that they use. So, um, but anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, it's 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 cool. And uh, then eventually, he finds his father's sword again. The guy has it, and uh, or is it Thulsa Doom that has it?
3: the doom has it right yeah well, no, or, uh, well, no no one they, of the guys and, comes at him with yeah, it it breaks
2: right. it, it's during the uh, the the weird scene with all the parts in the in the kettle or whatever they <laughs> were the cannibalism scene yeah yeah it's in the cannibalism well, the
4: cannibalistic scene. cannibalistic orgy yeah Yeah. The, and, yeah, because um,
2: nothing nothing gets you more in the mood for you know having an orgy than than eating some fingers and hands and stuff. So
3: yeah, those two guys they they hired them to be the bad guys because they were bigger than Arnold, mm-hmm. and that was what they wanted. And I guess <clears throat> Arnold wasn't used to that sort of thing. But I mean, those two guys were very uh, oh yeah, know, they're
2: huge. Those they're guys, huge dudes. yeah.
3: And one guy yeah. has that, that 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 crazy like biker mustache too.
2: Yeah, I liked his big mallet, the one of the guys that carries yeah. around, that big mallet thing, yeah. Must have been I, yeah. really hard to swing, so...
3: Yeah, on Conan's Ruby Gold, Rube Goldberg uh, devices that he left <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes where he's getting ready for the battle. The oh, yeah, to-
2: yeah, when they're building all the little traps and yeah. stuff, being, I'm like MacGyver, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about uh, Mako, the...
2: Uh, Oh yeah, Mako. Mato. Yeah, talk about the little great. wizard guy. Yeah,
3: he's cool. He's a cool little dude, man. And he, he's the he's the narrator. He's the narrator.
4: Yeah, he narrates the. Story. I just love
2: his the way he talks. He's just he's just so funny. You know, he, they needed a little. You know, without like you said, Chris earlier on, it, it's not like they're winking at the camera too much, but they needed a little bit of kind of comic relief. You know, to a degree. Yeah.
3: I I I I like his character. I like Ooh. his voice is the first <laughs> thing you hear.
5: Let me tell you of the days of high adventure.
2: Uh, in
4: the beginning of the film...
2: and keeps calling uh, him his master, right? It, 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 um, isn't that what he refers to Conan? His, like his, yes, his, his king yeah, yeah. or his master? Yeah.
4: In the past tense, sort of he does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's speaking in the past tense as he's telling the story, but yeah... Um, he uh, he's got such a recognizable voice, and and he's done a lot of voiceover work. So if, if you ever watched Samurai Jack, the uh, the animated show, oh yeah, show, I've seen some of that. Yeah, yeah, he played Haku. I think Haku was his name, the, the kind of the evil dragon character in that. But um, just a very respected Japanese actor, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, he he played a great role uh, as the wizard. And, he, and his powers, again, were very understated. Uh, really, the only time you see. Uh, his powers at work are, are, you know, after Conan has uh, technically died, uh, when uh, Valeria makes the pact with the demons to bring him back, then you sort of see his prowess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, he was also great as comic relief as well. Um, yeah, well, he, he turns
2: some, up in the next in the Conan the Destroyer too movie. Yes, as well, yeah, he does yeah, and yeah. he has
4: some, he has some very memorable lines. Yeah,
3: what about like uh, let's talk about some of our favorite. Uh, our favorite scenes in the movie, favorite sequences, favorite scenes.
2: <laughs> you got you got none. You got none. No favorite. Oh, I got tons. What you got you tons. Oh, yeah, two
4: podcasts. Least.
2: Yeah,
3: I I love um. They're the the little going into all the cities. And, you know, sort of, like, Subutai, like, showing, Ar- like, Arnold, Conan, like, th- he's never been in cities, you know what I mean? Like, so it's sort of, like, a new experience for him, and they're eating, like, crummy food, like some lizard oh, yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah, right.
2: Yeah, and he yeah. says, don't eat that and stuff to him. Like, he's eating this, like, piece of a chicken and stuff. There's a lot, yeah. there's a lot of, like, parts in this movie where Conan is, like, eating and talking, you know. They're around a <laughs> mm-hmm. fire, and they're talking, and he's got, like, a piece of a chicken in his mouth or something. And-
4: or a lizard on a stick. Yeah, or,
2: yeah, yeah. That that's funny stuff, yeah, yeah. It's... So talk,
4: uh, speaking about Subutai, uh, we really didn't cover, uh, you know, how Conan meets him um, when he when he finds this uh, witch out in the. Uh, oh yeah, uh, the witch! Come on in, yeah. it's
2: warm. Come in by the fire, yeah. yeah
4: that yeah. She, talks, she
3: talks like in that eighties porn voice too. Yeah. You know, it's you like, expect yeah.
2: almost that music to be playing or something. Uh, you it's, know, come it's on, By
3: my fire.
2: <laughs> okay, I come in you know. And
4: he's very distrustful at first, he yeah. can tell. Yeah.
2: I don't know. He didn't he seemed like he walked in there pretty easily, but Yeah, uh,
3: and then you know, she's on all fours and she's like there's a price, Barbarian. And he's
2: like, "All right, if I have to" <laughs> yeah. you know?
3: I mean, it doesn't really seem to argue
2: too much. I no, mean, he wasn't fighting it too much, her. I didn't think so.
4: It shows her the, you know, the 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 cult of Thalsadoom. Two snakes, you know, two snakes coming together. <laughs> 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 and he puts his
2: hands. Yeah, he puts his his hands together there. Yeah. He, he makes those fists. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah. And then
4: uh, Subutai is kind of chained up outside uh, as wolf food. Yeah, but I mean, like, w- let's talk about how
3: like Arnold's loving like turns women into crazy like monsters that claw at you
4: that you have to throw into a fire. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think that character and that sequence is definitely a kind of a throwback to the literary conan definitely yeah but uh, he wakes up he's but what's great about it is
3: he's not bothered he just like stays that in that hut he's like oh i'm gonna go to sleep i mean oh yeah
2: he just tosses her that's what i noticed too when i was watching it again the he just picks her up you know when she goes starts going nuts and and throws her in the fire and then and then it's like he doesn't go running out of the hut or her little house or whatever he He doesn't go like going Oh, crumb, he just says. And then it's the next morning and he comes oh. out and he's got like, it looks like he's stolen a lot of her, her furs and stuff to keep himself warmer and, you mm-hmm. know, and things and uh, like, no, yeah. it's warm in here, I'm going to stay. So, well, I, What
3: was what was he doing out there?
4: What was Suvatai doing? Why was he chained up outside of that? They never explained it. Uh, right. He just asks him, you know, what are you doing here? And he says food, food for wolf. wolf. Yeah. Yeah. And of course Conan can't abide seeing somebody chained up You know, that's like a free spirit like he is. And so he frees him.
5: I have not eaten for days. And who
4: says you will? Give me food so I have strength.
5: When the wolves come, let me die not in hunger, but in combat. Who are you? I am Subatai, thief and archer. I am Harkinian, the great order of Kerlat. So what are you doing here? dinner for wolves
3: <laughs> The next and then, then the very next scene is probably another one of my favorite bits where they're talk, <laughs> they're, they're comparing gods you know and it's like your god you know, yeah Crom you know he's strong on his mountain you know and then you know, the my god is the four winds and then Crom you know, laughs at your four winds you know <laughs> he's up in this mountain
4: you know and Subutai, my god is above your mountain
3: your yeah, my god is the everlasting sky. Yeah, your god lives under him. Conan's like, oh, all right, that's a fair point.
5: What gods do you pray to? I pray to the four winds, and you to Brahm.
0: But I seldom pray to him. He doesn't listen. <laughs>
5: What good is he, then?
0: Yeah, it's just as I've always said.
1: He's strong.
0: If I die, I have to go before him. And he will ask me, what is the riddle of steel? And if I don't know it, he will cast me out of Valhalla and laugh at me. That's Krum. Strong on his mountain. Yeah, my
5: God is greater. <laughs> Krum
0: laughs at you four winds. He laughs from
5: his mountain. My God is stronger. He is the everlasting sky. Your God lives underneath him.
4: He does. He just kind of nods. And- <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, one of the scenes that I like, that's that it, it's more of a funny one, but I like the scene where Arnold gets the, um, the cult of Thulsa Doom, the, the priest guy's cloak from him that were where where he's like he comes up to the guy and hello brother or whatever and he's like i'm shy and he's like i'm shy could we go over here behind (laughs) this behind the woods can't see (laughs) oh it's hilarious and he's like and and arnold grabs the guy's cloak and he says something like is this your cloak (laughs) you know it's like you know okay yeah it's my cloak and then i am shy oh that's all i have yes that's so funny it's funny how like the
3: this, Thulsa, this 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 cult is like you know these guys are going around killing people but then like all the people that follow them have like flowers and they're all it's like such a weird 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 thing going on with that cult i don't even know what i guess they're just a
4: cult as long as yeah, they it, are they're
2: definitely a, as long as they're, i guess they're, they're, they're he's kind got of
4: modeled after the cult of set uh the snake god
2: yeah and it's not like he's like pillaging like and and stealing their their you know Farm their food, their animals. It's just like all these people in their little robes following him around. You don't really get a a a sense that he's just like you know. I want evolved, yeah. I mean, evolved
4: from pillaging to uh, you know leading a cult, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, But the stealing daughters and yeah, lots of women. That's certainly true. You know, I'll take all of your women with me. A couple of the guys who are they're big if they're bigger than this guy over here, they can come with us. But most of the women, though, I'm going to take. So. Yeah.
4: He was a very he was a very kind of Jim Jones cult leader. He was very Oh yeah, definitely. Charismatic and if he would, you know, tell one of his followers to kill themselves, they would willingly do it. Come to me, child.
2: Come my child. Well, and the girl that they're trying to rescue, you know, whatever's uh, such and such's daughter or whatever, um Osric's daughter. Yeah. yeah. You know, she's kind of a bitch basically. <laughs> I mean, like well, she's, she's brainwashed. Yeah, I understand, I understand that, but I mean, oh. I mean it's just like, you know, She's kicking him off. She gives him away. She's like, you know, shut up. You know, Arnold punches the the camel out in this movie. When I watch it, you know, I want I want Arnold to just smack her and just knock her out. And uh, and then I think doesn't doesn't Valeria hit her at one point? She does. Yeah, Yeah, right. So I love the I love
3: these snakes as arrows. That's just pretty awesome. Oh (laughs) Oh, yeah, (laughs) that's a
2: cool effect too. That uh, you know where he you know you, you. it's, looks like you know or and it is i'm sure a real snake and then he just right. is like pulls it and then it's stiff as a board and then he <laughs> yeah. you know and then he shoots it across and you know it's 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 an that's a nasty thing i it yeah. is it is mm-hmm. cool
3: yeah i i talk uh, <laughs> another funny little scene <laughs> where they're in the city and he's asking about snakes in this guy who was who was that actor who uh, i don't know, you know he's, the only snakes i know you know he's like so out of place you know yeah i don't know no, i know nothing
5: how about two snakes coming together over a black sun a magnificent standard the only snakes i know of are those of set and those cursed towers they have spread to every city two three years ago it was just another snake cult now everywhere it is said that they are deceivers they murder people in the night I know nothing. Hey. Black lotus. Stygian, the best. This better not be Haga. I would sell Haga to a slayer such as you.
3: You know, it's like who is that? Yeah. He like doesn't seem to fit in with like everything, you know, and he you know, you guys you want some, some black pat- lotus?
2: Just passing through or something. Stygian. Yeah. yeah.
3: It better not be Haga. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a, I,
3: I like, and then right after that is where Arnold punches the camel. Because he's all high. He's high. Yeah. High as a kite, you know, he's now, when I was a
4: kid, I thought they were just drunk. No, and then but they're kind high. Of, kind of as I got older, I realized, yeah, they're, they're yeah, doing you're, a little something. You're all sluts. You're all sluts. <laughs> yeah.
2: When he just sort of backs up, he's, he's moving, he's kind of backing up, and he bumps into the camel. You know, because he, he's walking mm-hmm. kind of backwards or stumbling, and then he's like kind of b- bothered by the camel being there, and then he just yeah. like turns around and slugs the camel. Yeah, and the camel. Yeah,
3: and they're like laughing about something. Did you see that? And I'm like, yeah. what are they laughing about? I never, I'm never really sure. I'm not <laughs> sure.
2: I think they were maybe really, literally high or something. Yeah, yeah. I
4: mean, they were. <laughs> and the camel uh, actually makes an appearance in Conan the Destroyer. That same but- camel. Is it? It's not the same camel, but oh, okay. yeah, there's there's a camel in Conan the Destroyer, and he kind of makes a, a a joke about seeing a camel, and you know, oh okay, uh, the camel right. spits on him, and he punches it again. I think if huh. I remember correctly.
2: Oh, it's been a long time since I haven't watched the Conan the Destroyer in a long time, but uh, yeah, I was going to say too. This movie, um, surprisingly for an R-rated movie, you know, it was only it only cost sixteen million. Of course, that's nineteen eighty. Eighty-two, whatever it came out in, but it made one hundred and thirty million dollars. I mean, it, it actually did pretty well at the box office for yeah. an R, R-rated movie of the of the era of the time, which it, which is pretty impressive, really.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's especially that's a lot with
2: of a bunch of unknowns effectively in it. You know, I think that shows that you know the the name of Conan and and the history of the books, like you were saying earlier, Chuck, is is certainly got a lot of people there in the theater. It wasn't like they yeah, knew some
4: great they had some great trailers if you ever had a chance watch the original 1982 trailers and I think that plus uh you know critical acclaim probably uh went a long way towards making this film popular good
2: marketing good press for this movie you know good good um you know got people all worked up about it and everything and wanting to wanting to see it and it also you know it um it came out at a good time of the year it came out in May uh May 14th 1982 so uh so that, you know, early summer is a good time.
3: Do you guys know what um, Arnold's first lines were in the movie?
2: You mean as Arnold? Oh, it, not well, the, the kid has a few lines, but you mean Arnold himself. Yeah. I would think it would have been like.
3: Well, that, but, I guess technically. Yeah. But it's actually when he says, uh, when they ask him what is good in life. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you. And they hear the lamentation
5: of the women. That is good.
4: That is good. Oh, that's the... the, the, the oh, the crush, niche, your
3: yeah. enemy, crush your enemies. See them driven before you. The of lamentation them, of the women. women. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's actually... They say that that was a, a, a modification of a quote that was attributed to uh, Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan, yeah. yeah. The greatest pleasure is to vanquish your enemies and chase them before you, to rob them of their wealth, and see those dear to them bathed in tears... To ride their
2: horses and clasp to your bosom their wives and daughters. I mean, that guy. That's nasty stuff. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to just, you know, kill my enemies. I, I, I you know, I, I'm going to take <laughs> take their women and their daughters. I'm going to plow them down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, it, he went quite a while without saying anything in the movie. but
2: Yeah, I should have I, remembered that. I, I, I realized that, too, once you said it, that, yeah, the other day, I, I just realized he had that classic, because that line has been used, you know, for so long in association with this movie. And it is, the yeah, the first thing he really says, you know.
4: Hmm. And it fits in very well with the character, because essentially, you know, he sees his parents murdered in front of him as a child, and he spends, you know, the rest of his child life at hard labor with no human interaction whatsoever. Yeah. So to yeah. me, somebody that, that lives like that is not going to have a lot to say.
2: Sure. Right. He, he's not exactly Mr. Conversation. Yeah. Let's have dinner. We have lunch and we'll talk. And they,
3: <laughs> they, they bring it, they bring him ladies
2: and you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And those guys are just watching, you know, he was
4: bred to the finest stock at first. I
2: yeah, at first I noticed that he, they bring that girl to him, you know, in the cell thing and then he kind of covers her up a little bit. But he just moves her over like about two or three feet away from the door. It's not like the place is really roomy or anything. And then pretty much in an, in another minute, you know, he's pretty much on top of her and the guys are all watching from the outside of the room.
4: And the look on his face, the look yeah. on his face as he pulls the blankets up and kind of gazes upon her is just classic yeah. classic Arnold. Yes. Well, it's, it's pretty
2: it. implied that it's like the first time he's been with a woman at all. All right. Yeah, he seems I mean, he
3: seems sorta of confused at first. Yeah.
2: yeah, he he figures it out pretty quick. But, oh
3: yeah. Uh, I mean, you know. I mean, you look yeah. As you know, he look at my cell, it's a mess. Come on, get in here. Well you were <laughs> saying too
2: before, Chris. I mean, whether how much you you know, I mean, is exaggeration or you believe, but you know, Arnold the actor was during the commentary you said it was yeah, I was getting a lot of women on this movie, you know.
3: Yeah, well Arnold uh, listen, he's never been too shy about his you know, ability to. Oh yeah, yeah. If you, know. you read
2: some of his early books, you know, some of the stuff back in the in the day of when he was just a bodybuilder. Oh yeah, right. it, was, it was like you know, you think he was a rock star. I mean, it, you know, or what you think of a seventies era rock star was.
3: Just you know. watch Pumping Iron and see what he <laughs> when he discusses the uh, similarities between uh, sex and lifting weights.
2: Oh yeah,
4: the pom- getting yeah. the pump. Yeah. <laughs> I
3: mean, you know, he listen, he's Arnold. I mean,
2: <laughs> yeah, there's nobody else like him. I mean, he, no, you know, I mean, he, the, yep. that's, that's one of the things I think that makes this movie cuz you know, the character of Conan is so huge and bigger than life and and him as a as a person and an actor here or whatever is is like that. You needed somebody that was, you know, larger than life, you know. So.
3: Definitely. So he didn't. Uh, I I never saw Red Sonia. He doesn't play Conan in Red Sonia, does he? He plays like a different character.
2: I don't. Remember.
4: Uh, Red Sonia is. Yeah, I think he plays a different character. Uh, it's almost the exact same character. Right. But Yeah. He, Which doesn't make any really sense at all.
2: Was it? It must Conan. have been a rights thing. It had to have been a rights thing. Why? Why would you have him in there, and and not have him be Conan? You know, it had, it had to have been they didn't have the rights to that at the time or
3: something. Well, the, but, it, but what I don't understand is that sort of plays in the robert howard stuff i don't understand like i don't know i don't get
2: it interesting yeah you know well do you guys want to segue over and to talk a little bit more about you know some of the other films or anything else comics or anything um (laughs) well
3: of course this was um followed right by conan the destroyer in 84 yes um and it wasn't it wasn't good it wasn't as good or it wasn't really close I don't know. I don't really care for that one. I mean, I've watched it. I've have only only seen it a, a few times, and uh, compared to the Conan the Barbarian, which I've seen for
2: I don't know dozens of times. But only thing I know I about or remember always about that one, I remember two things about that movie a lot: Grace Jones, yeah. Yeah. and Will Will Chamberlain.
3: Will Chamberlain, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, being in that movie, yeah. Bombata, yeah, that's yeah. the
3: scene where, where Grace Jones is like just fighting all those dudes. Yeah.
2: Her, eye, her eyes are all
3: like crazy. Oh, know? I would be
2: scared of her. I'd be scared of oh. fighting her more yeah. than I'd be scared of fighting Arnold. She's oh, just absolutely. crazy. Uh but that movie did not make very much money either. I'm pulling that one up real quick. It it cost 18 million. They're saying it only made like 31 million. Re, you know, terrible when you think about it and it only came out what 2 years after, yeah, in 84. Mm-hmm. So
4: it was and it the, had you know it had a lot of the same elements you know it was the same uh, uh, producer and uh, mm-hmm. yeah uh, you know one of the same producers and Basil Polidori's did the soundtrack
2: yeah Dino DiLorente's oh. company yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
4: Uh, and I really liked that Tothamon Amon was in, in the film uh, he was the, the evil wizard yeah you know, he was a bit more in line with the literary villain the the literary villains that Conan would fight
3: yeah it just seemed there was something off about it though. You know it just I mean? didn't
2: seem as visceral. I mean, if yeah. I if I had to put a word on it, it didn't seem quite so visceral and 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 real and and primal kind of as the first Conan movie to me. Yeah, well, there was it like had
4: some great action scenes, but it didn't have the parables that that carried you through the first film. Yeah, that's true you too, know, the, right? The brutal of steel, the forging of, of the sword, mm-hmm. the revenge plot, you know, the reven- it's a it's a big revenge film and you yeah. get that satisfaction at the end of uh, you know, where where Conan hacks the head off of uh, off of, uh, of da- know, off Darth Vader, yeah, Thulsa, yeah, off Darth Vader, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you don't get that vindication, you know. It's just basically, uh, yeah. it's kind of a terrible last scene in, in the Destroyer. He fights this big uh, resurrected god. That's a pretty bad uh, special effect. And yeah, he's yeah. got that little uh, thief destroyer companion. Right? Yeah, yeah, the little thief companion's really not that great. Mm-hmm, Yeah. So. No,
2: yeah. I mean it's worth watching if you like Conan. I mean, if you have not seen it, you know, give it a, give it a look. But uh, but it's certainly nowhere up to the uh, to but the it, first. It,
4: it, it has of, some funny scenes too. It
3: kind of is more like one some another uh, an original Conan short story though. When you think about it, because a lot of those is just him sort of getting involved in situations, you know, and that's exactly of, this movie where he just sort of wanders into this situation where he ends up having to you know, go, rescue, go go deal with this uh, this princess and everything. But it does have Sarah Douglas in it, who,
2: you know, is Urs, remember her from uh, Superman 2? Yeah, yeah yep. Sarah Douglas, Olivia Diabo, who's been in Star Trek. and Nice uh, looking girl, yeah. Yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. My favorite scene, I think, uh, with her is uh, when she's riding on the horse next to Grace Jones.
1: How do you attract a man? What I mean is... Suppose you set your heart on somebody. What would you do to get him? Grab him. And take him. You grab him and and take him. Take him. Like that.
3: Yeah. Grab it, him. Take him. I, it's just one I haven't watched in a while. I, yeah. I guess maybe I just don't have the same place that I have for the original movie. So it's like... You know, it's one of those movies where I think sometimes I start watching it and I'm like, I really don't want to finish
4: watching this. I don't know why. Well, you well, know, they cut it. Also, um, you know, it was a PG film, so yeah. the violence was toned down. Yeah, yeah that's know, a good point Alivis too. Right, was not involved. Um... It just it just didn't have the power of the first film.
3: Yeah, I don't know how do you make you make a Conan movie PG? It's like making a Rambo movie PG. It's,
4: yeah, and it's really stupid if you think about it because the the obviously it didn't hamper the first film being rated R. Uh, you know, over 100 million dollars. So you know, and cutting that t- it down
2: in that era. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um, it's kind of sad when you think about it. But uh, so, what did but you, you know, guys go ahead, sorry. Chris?
3: Well, Arnold was um, contracted to do like. bunch of sequels so so he was kind of stuck he couldn't say no to it so he had to do it one way or another so no matter what so he would go ahead sorry
2: yeah i was just going to say did you what did you guys we talked earlier before we even started to record but what did you guys think of the the one from a couple years ago with jason momoa uh the conan movie that that he did you know where they try to sort of reboot things and of course, then eventually he turns up as pretty much the same character on Game of Thrones in a way, <laughs> but uh, almost looks exactly the same. Well, I mean, I thought, I thought it was okay. It well, that's wasn't why terrible. I thought that
3: he would be a good Conan because I, I mm-hmm.
2: had seen Game of Thrones first, and I was like, you know, he's pretty. He certainly looks the part. You know, yeah, I think yeah. he's, and this, he's pretty I, good. Good, you know, good actor size-wise and capable of that. Yeah,
3: I think this movie um, had a lot going for it. Uh, potentially, I think they got a lot of the visual stuff right. I think they, I love the beginning in, in Samaria. Ron with Perlman's is, in it, you know. Yeah, Ron it,
2: Perlman it, is that. Pretty much gave it a few notches right there on that. Yeah, yeah, he
4: was definitely. He, you
3: know, listen, he, he. I believe that he's Conan's dad. You know, I got buy it. You yeah. know? I mean, mm-hmm. so I mean, I like the whole opening of it. I just, yeah, I don't know. I it's just, yeah, it's sort of. Um, I don't know. It sort of became very ordinary to me when I was watching it. You know what I mean? It was just like yeah something sort of missing something's not i don't know
2: yeah rachel nichols stephen lang rose mcgowan uh you know some pretty good people in there you know stephen Lang's a little (laughs) he's he's pretty funny in this movie but uh i can remember watching him way back on crime story back in the 80s if you guys if you guys know that show at all yeah he was actually on that show as the lawyer guy. If you remember it at all, he doesn't look anything like it anymore. Yeah. But um,
3: the first thing I saw him in was the movie Gettysburg. He
2: was yeah. uh, he yeah. played
3: General uh, Pickett in that movie. That's yeah. The first time I saw.
2: Him. And he was in the that show um, from a year or two ago. Oh, I'm blanking. Oh,
3: Terranova.
2: Terranova. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like the general guy or whatever it was. Yeah.
3: Not, and he's an Avatar, but the other movie, of course, right? If you recognize him from it would be Tombstone, he played um Ike Clanton. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's he's one of those guys that shows up all the time. He just happened to be the bad guy in Avatar, you know, which was a huge movie, so all of a sudden you started seeing him pop up more again, you know, yeah. because of yeah. just being in that movie. So
2: and he's basically a bad guy in, in Conan in this year twenty eleven. Yeah. And yep. then the uh and then there's talk that Arnold's gonna be doing King Conan that I've been hearing. Another uh, Conan movie with Arnold. I sure hope so. Yeah, I would like to see that.
4: I would too, but I really, uh, personally speaking, being a big fan of the original stories, the original novels, I would really like to see them do another Conan film with uh, Jason Momoa, but with a good sc- uh, screenwriter because, uh, you know, it had so much potential. You know, yeah. um, it, it was more, I think, in line with with what the true character. Um, you know uh, Howard's vision of the of Conan. Uh-huh. You know in the books it was said that he was born on the battlefield. They don't really talk about his parents, but you know that that scene where he cuts him from from uh, his mother's womb on the battlefield is just brilliant. And uh, you know this, the film starts off so great, and then just kind of uh, you know takes a nosedive the farther down you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he his portrayal of Conan I thought was much better because in, in the books. Yeah, Howard said he was a big guy, but you know he was also described as like almost panther like. You know uh-huh. he was he was like he was like a big cat, quick, and he was very and, yeah, and, and, and very
2: agile, and yeah.
4: I mean, he was considered a barbarian by civilized standards, but he was also a very experienced in, throughout his life. You know, he was a reaver, he was a buccaneer, um, he mm-hmm. was a mercenary. You know, uh, so he had all this this experience and you kind of see that uh, once you see that he's grown up and he uh, raids this uh, slaver town Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, with his uh, with his associates. And uh, so you kind of get that sense of the character. And I did like that about the film. It's just, you know, a bad screenplay can really ruin a film. And I think that's what happened.
3: Yeah. But, you know, maybe there was a better screenplay that was more faithful that they, you know, that got watered down. You never know.
4: Well, I think that what happened was um, there was originally somebody else had worked on it, and they kind of brought this other guy in at the last minute, um, and I, I think that has a lot to do with the, you know, the end result. Well, I'm gonna watch it again. I I don't even
2: think
3: I actually finished the movie. I think I might have fallen asleep during it because I. You know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm looking
2: at some of the Wikipedia on it of the 2011 you know movie and. There's there's certainly some we don't have a whole lot of time to go into I don't think a lot of the background but it looks like it definitely had a lot of people touching it and a lot of well, that's always well, a bad
3: sign yeah yes. exactly
2: a lot of a lot of changes a lot of yeah everyone bringing bringing people uh, you know even Brett Ratner uh, was, was, oh. was 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 hooked on there for a little uh, while yeah so I was I don't, reading uh, you know
4: Ain't It Cool News uh-huh. and when that story came out I I, I think everybody the like rage, and, overwhelmed well i mean the internet
3: look, look what he did to x-men yeah i mean yeah. you know what i mean it's like I, that guy I never i mean i'm just like jules and pulp fiction i ain't never gonna forgive his ass for that
2: yeah I'll tell you what you know what i mean it's like yeah so there's there's definitely a mixed unfortunately a mixed um you know thing one of the things here that's interesting is i guess mickey rourke with one at one point was going to be possibly in this movie as, as maybe the bad guy which might have been interesting mm. you know so um He's so odd looking. Yeah, he he'd be you know he does crazy guys pretty good you know. When so. you look
3: at him, when he would, like when he was like
2: I young, loved him in, in that 80s. fighter in that fighter movie, the fighter oh, what or whatever. A,
3: that's that's an awesome
2: movie. Yeah, yeah. it's
3: de- it's depressing though. I mean, it is a little.
2: It is a little, little. I mean, you know, drive what, off a bridge. Man. What the guy's <laughs> done to himself over the years in a way, but uh, the
4: wrestler. Yeah, or the wrestler. Yeah, great yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, great film. Yeah.
3: I, apparently, a lot of the professional wrestlers who saw that movie were like very were coming out of it like with tears in their eyes and stuff. Because yeah, it's but pretty honest um,
2: portrayal. Well, so what do you guys think? Anything else to to wrap this up at all? Or? Well,
3: I want to say that my favorite um, Conan product of the last decade is the Dark Horse comic books. I have the the full run of them in graphic. I have them in the graphic novel form, and you can get them on um, Amazon for pretty reasonable. They got about, I want to say, 12 or so now, maybe uh-huh. more. Like, yeah. But they they, they started the series in 2004, um, and they started adapting Howard stories for a comic book form. I mean, they think they did a really, really good job. And um, they've also put out a bunch of sort of standalone stories in graphic novel form, yeah, too. I've got
2: to pick up some more of those, because I've, yeah. I've only been spotty with, with, even though I read a lot of comics, I've only been spotty with reading Conan comics right. over over the years. I haven't I've never really stuck with it or, you know, I'll pick up a couple here, a well, couple there.
3: What I would recommend is you get volume 0, which is Chuck was talking about something they alluded to. Well, volume 0 is called um, Born on the Battlefield and it's sort of like what the beginning of that Conan movie was based on. Okay. And it shows like young Conan and how he be, he's becoming like a leader of men and Uh-huh. Um, it's and it's a really nice introduction to the character. It's it's so um good. Yeah, so that I recommend that. It, and Those books are a really great value. I mean, there's a lot of story in there. You get a lot of... Um, that. Those books are great. So I'd say get Volume Zero. Volume One is The Frost Giant's Daughter, um, and they adapt. So for a while, they were just straight adapting some Howard stories, and they, they did do their own standalone, like, one-issue uh-huh. stories. But those are definitely... If you're interested in the character of Conan, or if you're sort of mildly, I think if you read a few of those, you might sort of... Um, Get more interested and maybe want to delve into the novels, and you can also get the Robert E. Howard books in some nice collections. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen I, that. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three books I have, and they're just—it's just chock full. You can
4: just sit there and read and read. But um, yep, and they have—you uh, know—they have prologues, and in the back they have a lot of uh, factual information. They have—that's right, you know, Robert Howard's biography. So you—you you get the maps that he drew. By hand, you get a lot of, uh, a lot of information from those yeah. uh, compilations.
3: It's the bloody, the bloody crown of Conan, the coming of Conan, the Sumerian.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep. And what's the other one called? The conquering sword of Conan. And if you really like his uh, writing style, there's also uh, one I think called cr- uh, Crimson, Crimson Lands, I believe. Uh, but it, that has a few Conan stories in it. It has a few call stories. Yeah. Solomon Kane, some of his other notable characters. And I believe didn't Robert Jordan do some Conan
3: books too in the eighties? That I don't know. I think Robert a Jordan might, to me. Yeah, I think Robert Jordan did some Conan books in the eighties. But I mean, the 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 Dark Horse comics very accessible. You pick up a couple of those graphic novels. You probably get them for like ten bucks a piece or less on Half dot com or something. Read those, man. They're they're just they're just awesome. They're just beautiful to look at. The artist is Kurt Busiek. He's just awesome for a lot of it. Yeah, shoot I, I,
2: me some uh, shoot me some links, and when I do the notes for this week, Chris, I can put a put some of the mm-hmm. links links to some of that stuff into in the podcast yeah. notes. Absolutely, and
3: um, also what I own is the collector's edition of the soundtrack for the score for Conan the Barbarian. By oh uh, yeah, Basil the music Ollodorus. like we were
2: saying, so
4: that's just, a mustown. Yeah, because it's,
3: it's got alternate uh, cuts. It's got a lot of cool stuff on it. It's uh, it's a, it's a
4: really really great soundtrack. Uh, I recommend it highly. And I'd like to uh, plug, if you're a gamer, I'd like to plug the Conan game, um, which came out for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Oh, that was a,
2: that was a blast.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, it came out probably several years ago now. Um, you're not talking was... about the
2: MMO game. You're not talking about that, right? No, you're talking about uh, a, different, a, little... a different game. Okay.
4: The MMO is excellent and very yeah. close to the literary Conan.
2: Uh-huh. Um,
4: it's it's also free to play now, but uh, this is an actual standalone console game, and it it sort of uh, plays in the vein of like God of War, God of War. kind of a slash slash 'em up. But Ron Perlman, I believe, does the voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Conan. It is. I love Ron. <laughs> yeah. And, I'll, I'll uh, split
3: your skull, Nave. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very
4: <laughs> violent. There's naked women. There's boobies. I mean, it's very. <laughs> A <laughs> rated R game, an adult adult game. It is, games. it yeah. is. Okay. M rated, and it's it, it, it definitely earns that rating. But it, it, it's got those fantastic uh, boss battles, and you know, it's really a
3: couple of frustrating boss battles. Let's be honest. Yeah,
4: definitely. But yeah, it, if you really like the Conan mythos, you, you owe it to yourself to try that game.
3: And you cool. could probably get it for like five bucks.
4: Yeah, go to GameStop, pick it up five bucks used, or you know, hmm. eBay or whatever. Cool. Yeah, I didn't Definitely even realize that they
2: did a new Conan game for you know a recent one you know in the uh, for the consoles. Did they do that? Is that out on PC, PC too? Do you know, or was it just a console no. game only?
4: Yeah, it was console only. Unlike okay. uh, previously, I know there was an Amiga version of Conan and, uh-huh. and some IBM versions, but yeah, this one uh, console only. Um,
2: huh. Yeah, good good suggestions. Well, anything else? Any more Arnold impressions in you still, Chris, or anything <laughs> like? <laughs> Yeah, we listen to this podcast now, you know. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. You're gonna listen. You put this in your iPhone or your yeah. mp T three player. <laughs> you put this on, you're gonna to listen to it, you're gonna go lift some weights. We're gonna some iron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come out to California, it's fantastic. I got these I got lots of women, no don't worry, your house will be clean, you got the this maids. Podcast everywhere. <laughs> the podcast is
2: fantastic. The podcast is fantastic.
3: Yes. Yeah, The Treks and Sci Fi podcast is the best podcast around. If you listen to other Star Trek podcasts, you're you're an idiot. You're a ghoulie man. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you know, I'll kill you first, not last. (laughs) Uh, You've been you've been hassling me to do like uh, I have,
2: I have. I've been wanting the the Arnold, you know
3: You uh, know, but it's fine to do it with you guys, but like I swear, Rico, I'm not lying to you. I sat down with my mic. And I was all alone. The house was empty. I know, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to do this for Rico. And I would do it, right? And I'd go, and I would go, oh, I got, I got to hear it. I got to listen. And I'd listen to it. I'd go, I, 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 that doesn't sound right. And then I would do it again. And then you know what? I just got. I just can't. I know. <laughs> it's hard to sit here by myself. That's why I always do this with somebody else, because, like, you know you are you're pretty good at, at like
2: just you know, talking yeah just
3: talking but like i get i actually you, you guys anybody can tell whoever heard me and do anything i i lose track of what i'm saying halfway through it and i always need somebody else to sort yeah, it yeah it
2: takes it takes it's it's not easy and and it, i i understand completely to do a few lines and stuff and you got to get in the right mood and there's just yeah, yeah it, it's it's not yeah i I always hear about people's stories of, like, comedians practicing without anyone else around. I don't understand how in the world they can do that, you know, without getting that feedback of of someone else or an audience. I I, I just think that's amazing to me of, of how they can do that. I don't get the know. timing down of things and, and because it's
3: really people's reactions that feed you when you're doing something.
2: Like oh yeah, that. yeah. You need to cl- you know just yeah. I mean, I guess you can memorize your lines like actors when they do that, you know, or memorize the joke to a degree. But the punch of it and the just yeah. No yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's fun. Jerry
3: Seinfeld was just doing an interview on the Howard Stern Show and he was talking about it's one thing to come up with a joke, but you actually have to figure out where to put the punch on a word or an emphasize a word or you know yeah it's you know, it's the, it's, the, the cadence the of style it. of it yeah. yeah
2: yeah it's like
3: so you know i could probably sit there and say uh do a, a crummy arnold impression and send it to you but i was like oh he's gonna play it and then he's gonna play it you're <laughs> gonna hear it it's well, like now you've got
2: one because i'm gonna cut that out of this episode <laughs> and you know use that God, so God, damn it
3: I, I, uh, I, uh, it's like when I'm listening to a podcast and then all of a sudden, like my, our promo for
2: ragtag fugitive podcast comes on. I'm like, ah,
3: my voice in my head. No, go away. You just need to
2: do a few more. And then those are going to be like the, 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 all right, I'm going to take a break here on Treks Inside Sci-Fi. I'll be right back. And it's going to be, and I'm going to string about, you know, 30 seconds of that.
3: (laughs) You sound like, uh like cookie monster yeah like i think it. i do
2: sound more like well it's getting it's getting you know late and uh you know the the mojito ran out a while ago so uh, yeah uh, i
3: know what you mean the wine that's why i'm like more uh
2: but uh, but yeah you know i'll just string a bunch of those together you know throat.
4: Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a very guttural sound it has yeah. to come from your throat yeah it really does and you
3: really have to do it loud and like i said i usually do it when i'm like clean the garage or something, and I'm, like, picking
4: up
2: a pot. Well, you know, there's there's also, I, I meant to say this earlier, and, you know, a lot of stuff goes through, you know, when I was thinking about this today and we were going to do this show, and I was thinking about, ah, i got to mention that, i got to mention that. But one of the things about Conan, you know, when being Arnold, playing Conan, is his accent, I think, and I know that they, I read that he, you know, he worked with a dialogue mm-hmm. coach or, you know, a speech person or whatever, a lot for the movie, but him having this sort of oddball speech, Works, you know, it, it makes him seem like he's from another land, and I and yeah. I think that that was a good, I think that added a lot to it. If they just had some American guy, you know, talking, "Hi, I'm Conan," you know, or something like that, it just wouldn't have been the same.
4: Yeah, you know? I agree, I with, agree. Yeah, you know? it definitely gives him a kind of an outsider.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, he, yeah. I mean. Feel- he-
3: it is this, listen, like we said earlier, it is the star-making turn, Conan the Barbarian. For well, Arnold and he's supposed Sportsnet.
2: to be, you know, like, it's not like the guy's been sitting around reading and writing growing up. He's been pushing that <laughs> damn wheel, whatever that does, you know, thing around. So he, he shouldn't <laughs> be speaking very clearly, like, you know, like he's some kind of king or whatever. You know, he shouldn't be speaking real eloquently. Or yeah, anything. he shouldn't be sitting there quoting, you know, like yeah. Nietzsche or something, right? Yeah, you know, the thing of steel, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's, mm-hmm. you know important crom crom <laughs> <laughs> i want a lot of those just clip a lot of those into this too crom crom laughs at you all right Krom well well Crom well, um, laughs, at- laughs sorry crom <laughs>, laughs at your podcast Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i bet he does i bet he does all right well guys we, we should probably stop the recording at least we can we can ch- chat a little bit more but yeah um but thanks a lot. This is a lot of fun. Conan, you know. I can't believe. I, I still find it amazing after doing the podcast for so long. I mean, I've loved this movie for a long time. It's something I I, 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 I always am shocked when I pull something out or something. I think, Chris, you suggested this. And I'm like, I, I literally, I think, smacked my head. And I'm like, oh, my God. I haven't done Conan yet?
3: How did that happen?
2: I go through your archives. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I search. I, I have to. I've done the shows, you know, mostly, yeah. and I have to click the search thing anymore because it's been way too much, and uh, you know. But I'm like, oh God, I've never done Conan. You know, that's that's terrible. We got to cover that. Yeah, that's a definite. So yeah. these days, it, it one of the things that I find is it's hard because there's so much new stuff coming out. You know, it, it's not like it was even back when Conan <clears throat> came out, where you could literally cover pretty much every movie or tv show and fantasy or sci-fi that that came out and you could you know do a show on it pretty easily there's just too much so it's you know i love going back and covering some of the older classic stuff because um there's just a lot of fun things there and uh and you know rather than the latest you know whatever movie is coming out you know well the next week you know that looks pretty good pacific rim and ron perlman's in it so Yeah, I'll um, be going to see that. Definitely. Thanks both to Chuck and Chris for joining me on this podcast. Come on, one more time. It was was my pleasure. (laughs) Was it your pleasure? Did you have some pleasure? (laughs) I can't do it. It's
1: okay.
3: All right. Well, everyone, it's been fantastic. I want to see you download this, listen to it five times, uh, give Rico uh, good ratings, and if you don't, uh, I'll see you in Hell with Crum.
2: Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. See you oh, thank
5: you. Bye-bye. So did Conan return the wayward daughter of King Osric to her home. And having no further concern, he and his companions sought adventure in the West. Many wars and feuds did Conan fight. Honor and fear were heaped upon his name. In time... He became a king by his own hand. This story shall also be told.